Do not try and bend the podcast. That's impossible. Instead, only try to realize the truth. What truth? There is no podcast. Hey, there we go. Nice and clean. There we go. That was our second take of an intro. <laughs> I'm David Sims. I'm Griffin Newman. Welcome to uh, Blank Check with Griffin and David. Yep. This is episode two of a new mini series. Ooh, we we do mini series. Yeah, yeah we're, we're like we're classy cereal. like HBO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a limited series event that just never ends. <laughs> One stacked on event top after event. Another. Yeah. Um. This this is a, a mini series called the Podchowski Casters. That's right. We're a couple podcasters. We're mm-hmm. also two friends. We are the. Capital T, two friends. And why don't you hashtag that shit? Hashtag the two friends. Um, we like to talk about directors. We like to talk about movies. We use mini series where we go into a director's oeuvre, mm-hmm. their filmography, mm-hmm. and we go through film by film. And what we're really fascinated in is when someone early on has a massive success, the game has changed, and they keep on getting this <laughs> blank check. That's the name of the podcast. To make whatever they want. And today we're talking about one of those massive successes. This is the movie that that changes the game. This is the one. Everything uh, hinges on this on this film right here. Yep. Uh, not just for these directors, but also for uh, maybe just like American filmmaking at large. Totally. This is one of those seismic uh, shift movies. It's the kind of movie that not just you know this studio is like, and these directors are going to try and make over and over. But like all studios are going to try and make, you know, it's one of those movies that everyone's like, oh, we got to we got to get ourselves one of those. Yeah. And I think I said this uh, last episode, but it's one of those movies that's like a pre and post movie where like anything made after The Matrix. The Matrix is the movie we're talking about today. Oh, The Matrix. The Matrix. The, the Matrix. Yes. The, ma- the Matrix. Uh, anything that was made after The Matrix is either consciously deciding to not do what The yeah, Matrix did. You're either did, copying it or you're, you're trying it. not to do it. Right. Yeah. Um, the year is 1999. 1999. Y2K on the horizon. We were all terrified. Ooh, Bill Clinton, the Lewinsky scandal begins to fade. Yeah. Um, the, uh... What else is going on? Can we just talk about this for a second? Uh, okay. Y2K. The the thought was, correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. The thought was that computers ran on a two-digit year system. Uh, the Millennium Bug. Right, but wasn't the idea that it was like, oh, 96, 97, 98, like it only looked at the last two digits? Uh, yeah. And that if we went to the year 2000 and it went to zero, zero, then the computer would tell itself it didn't exist because it was 1900 and was shut down. It was because of the need for bit conservation. Uh, most computers, uh, yeah, like, I don't know. I, I can't read this whole Wikipedia entry. But the logic I remember, maybe I was just a kid and someone told me something false and I believed it. Was that like the computer would be like, wait, it's the year 1900? I'm a computer. I don't exist. And then we'll just turn off. I think that's a little simplified. I think it's more just that uh, old computers just could not accept the date and it would just cause all these weird problems. Yeah. Yeah, we all thought the world was going to end. I remember like watching uh, New Year's Eve TV with my parents. And just like country by country, it was like Dan Rather being like, okay, Russia, the, the lights are still on. We're good in Russia. I think that it was a real concern. Mm-hmm. It was widely publicized yeah. and addressed. Mm-hmm. 
but then the media just kind of held on to it and was like, why 2K? Why 2K? You know, like, but I think like we, we, we identified the problem. Yeah. We got to it. We yeah. fixed it. Yeah. And nothing happened. And it was like, generally, it wasn't one of those things where it's like, ah, oh, you guys were all fussing about nothing. No, I think there was something, but they fixed it. They fixed it pretty quickly. Um, but this is, look, David, Y2K was just starting to, to percolate in the public consciousness when The Matrix came out. Mm. Early March, I think it was close to my sister's birthday. The, no, uh, March uh, 31st. March oh. 31st. Oh, so late March, the absolute opposite of what I said? Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah, rather than Caesar uh, like still being alive, he's dead, if we're going by like March. Sure, yeah. sure. Uh, post-Ides. Post-Ides. Um, I uh, remember the, the Friday this movie came out, uh, going to the uh, Union Square uh, you 14 were movie ten, theater. You were 10 years old? It would have been 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And I went to the Union Square Theater with my brother Jamesy and our babysitter Michelle. And I was like, man, the theater's so crowded. I can't believe this many people want to see 10 Things I Hate About You. Is that what you were going to see? 100%. came mm-hmm. out the same day. It did. Yes. Uh, we were amped for 10 Things. Uh-huh. And I was like, 10 Things I Hate About You is going to be the number one movie at the box office this weekend. People are... are Riled up for this movie. Here's my question. Why were you so amped for 10 Things I Hate About You? Did it have a star in it that you were interested in, or did you like the whole teen Shakespeare craze? Had a couple stars at Tomorrow. I mean, Julia Stiles and Ledger were popping from that trailer. Yeah, but they they hadn't been in anything. Yeah, but from the trailer, I'm saying I saw I was on board for Alex Mack and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, those are probably uh, my two favorite stars. I'm, you know, David Krumholtz also as well. I'm not sure that I knew David Krumholtz was in it, but uh, sure. I, I knew from David Krumholtz at that point. Um, uh, David Krumholtz is a major Griffin Newman fan, isn't he? Or are we not allowed to talk about that on the podcast? We can talk about that. <laughs> he he saw one show I did and uh, was very complimentary to me afterwards and then tweeted. He's like taking a UCB class or something, right? He was. He yeah, was yeah. taking a UCB sketch class. He came to one of my, my sketch shows mm-hmm. and then afterwards was like, hey man, what's your what's your name again? Mm-hmm. And I was like, again, this is the first time. Well, he, he probably heard you introduced on the stage. I don't think it was a sketch show. I okay, just, well, I was, look, I don't know. I was Jesus so Christ. deep in character, David. Okay, okay. I played uh, the physics professor who who uh, thinks he, he was in an English class by accident. It sounds like a great sketch. It was actually and it blew Krumholtz away. Blew him away. And so he comes up. He asks for you. Yes, yeah. your name. And he was me. like, "Really good work." And I was like, "Thank you very much." And he walks away, and I was like, "Huh, David Krumholtz." Mm-hmm. And that night, he tweeted at me publicly, not like a DM. He didn't slide into my DMs like Garfield. He, he fucking publicly tweeted at me, uh, uh, hey, met earlier tonight, uh, went up, introduced myself after the show, uh-huh. really, really great work, transcendently funny. And I was like, great. Crummels just tweeted at me. Mm-hmm. So you he, follow him. I follow him. I'm like, he's going to follow me back, and then I'll slide into his DMs like Garfield, and we'll organize to get him on the podcast. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. He never yeah. followed back. Yeah. Well, whatever. I, I was you had a nice tr- interaction I, with David Crumble. I tried. I wanted to get him on the show. Uh, I dare you to name the director of 10 Things I Hate About You. Ready? I'm trying to remember how to pronounce his name. Well, just, just go. Gil Younger? It. That's correct. Thank how you. on earth did you do that? I don't know. I dare you to name the other two movies he directed. I couldn't do that. Black Knight. Whoa. Starring Martin Lawrence. Marty Lawrence? And something called If Only, which I've literally never heard of, starring Jennifer Love Hewitt. Huh. And that's it. Wow. He moved into, like, uh, Lifetime movies after that. Yeah. Anyway, so you're a 10-year-old. You're going to see 10 Things, which is the first movie I ever went on a date uh, to see. With whom? 
I'm not going to talk about it, but okay. you know. But but I was a little. I was 13. Yeah. I was more of a you know more of a teenager. As you were you might wizened say. at that point. Yeah. yeah, one could call you a teenager. We were. You know, we're three years apart. Yes. But like at that age, 10, 13, that's Huge. a that's a wide gulf. Yeah. Between us, if yeah. we had known each other. As Donald Trump would say, big. <laughs> Huge. So you go to see 10 things with your babysitter and Jamesy? Yeah, and I couldn't even process that people would want to see The Matrix. I was so like, you that's get just a movie with like, guns? The Matrix? Yeah, because oh. it was like really crowded and I was like, everyone has to be here for 10 things. <laughs> the Matrix seemed like some fucking like March programmer, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and then I remember like the one cool kid at school like telling me that he had seen it. And I was like, he was like, it's really good. And I was like, what's it about? And he was like, I couldn't even tell you. It's fair. Fair point. Yeah. And then he described to me how he'd seen on the news they did a segment where people were walking out of the Matrix. Like New York local news was doing a segment mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. people walking out of the Matrix and they just asked them, can you describe to me the plot of the Matrix? And no one could do it. Oh, weird. That's sort of a weird joke. Yeah. And my mom was like very against. Uh, Guns and violence and shit. Yeah. Like so I like she didn't like me seeing stuff like that. And so I just like the whole time it, it, I internalized it to a point where I was like, I don't like movies like that. Uh-huh. You know, it went uh-huh. from being like, you're not allowed to see them to me going to school and be like. I don't see movies like that. I don't respect movies like that. Sure, just it's cheap, cheap guns and yeah, right. no, no, thank you. But by the time the Matrix had come out on DVD, it sure. was already such a cultural phenomenon where it was clear that it was like something more than that. Yeah, that my mom like happily rented, rented it, it for yeah. me from Couch Potato Video. It was rated R. It was rated R. So you couldn't rent it yourself. Yeah, you couldn't rent it your damn self. Right, I right. couldn't rent it my. Damn I mean, you were also probably like eleven years old, so you probably just did not routinely rent videos by yourself anyway. I think I was maybe starting. Our video store was like directly across the street, sure. okay. so I was like maybe starting to do it. But I was, I was still maybe ten at that point. I'm our not- video store would come bring you the video and then come collect it. That's Isn't that insane? Cool. I mean, when I was like a kid. Yeah, there was a site called Cosmo.com that did that. It was like this online. This is not a website. Yeah. There was no websites when this yeah. happened. This is the early 90s. They would That's come, crazy. bring it to you, yeah. and then you would call them and say, like, I'm done with the video now. Do and they'd have, be like, We're, we'll come get it. Do you have to tip the guy? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And you better rewind. Yeah. You better be kind to rewind. Oh, you had to be kind. Um, no, this was, I, I will say this was within that year. I was still 10 because I had seen The Matrix by the time the Oscars happened. Okay. So it comes okay. out in March. I probably saw it that October, November. Sure. The Oscars were the you know the subsequent March. Right. The American Beauty Oscars. The, yeah. By the by the time the Oscars happened, you were you were on board. I was both very excited won that it won those Oscars. awards. Yeah. I think it won the most of any film that year. I no, think no, in American, American Beauty, Beauty tied, yeah. but I think American Beauty only won four. No, it won more. Th- it won picture, director, actor, screenplay, cinematography. Oh right, so it won five. It, yeah, it might have even won more than that. I just know it won those five. Yeah. Um. American Beauty. There's a crappy movie, but it had the second most Oscars that year. And sure, I remember- no, it was a big, and it was like it. Yeah, it was. People kept like accepting awards, and it was all these like weird little pale guys, and they'd be like, "There is no spoon," and you'd be like, "Ah, the Matrix." It was very similar to uh, the the Mad Max run at the Oscars this year, where like Mad Max was winning like every award in a row, and all these like characters oh, were coming like, up. Well, except right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, when the Mad Max wins were great. Yeah, because it'd be some like batty Australian person, and they'd be like, "Ah, oh, George, my mate." But you sort of went like, wait, is Mad Max going to win Best Picture because it's getting all this below the well, line stuff? The Matrix was nominated for Best Picture, unfortunately. I know. I'm saying right. that's the big shift. Is yeah. like I think to a degree these days the Matrix would have been nominated for yeah. Best Picture. Yeah, yeah. I and I think like Mad Max being nominated was almost people realizing like, oh, we should have nominated the Matrix at the time. And the Dark Knight. 
Yeah, like we we should recognize when these movies excel. Totally, you know, totally. their genre limitations. But the Matrix yeah. was weirder. We, well, no, Mad Max is pretty weird. Yeah. Anyway, well, whatever. We're not comparing the Matrix and Mad Max. Um, but it comes out opening weekend and does like a huge number. Uh, it did. It did. Well, it came out on the thirty first, and the weekend was the second. So right. it came out on a Wednesday. Oh, interesting. And it may have been like I don't even know what what holiday it was. I'm not sure why it came yeah. out on a Wednesday, but it did. So over the five days, it made $37 million, $37.3 million. Which today would be office. like over 50, close to 60, something I think, like that. I can, I can yeah. do it right now. Uh, yeah. So just before we get to the movie, yeah, 63, $63.9 million. Very good job. Thank you. God. Thank you. Uh, this is the only kind of math we'll, I understand. We'll get back yeah. to the box office because I love playing that game, but yeah. we'll do that at the back end of the podcast. But, uh, but I, no, no, you done? Or no, you're not no, done. No, I was just going to say, so it like comes out, it does a weirdly big opening weekend. I think people viewed it as like a fluke. And then it was number one for like five weeks in a row. Oh. It just stayed. Yeah, it fell 20% in its next weekend. Yeah. And then it, it, it fell 20% the weekend after that. It would life beat it in its third weekend. But then Another did it come Martin back Lawrence the one. weekend after that? It did. Yeah, see, I knew that happened. Yeah. Yeah, it just, it was, it was like an Avatar-like phenomenon where it just, you know, kept dropping very little and, you know, word of mouth was like huge. And and, and much like The Sixth Sense, which we discussed extensively Sense, on this right. podcast, it was this thing where like- Which would come out later that year. Yeah. Well, we talked about 99. I know, I know is we this talked weird about it. fucking year, David. But, it, but it's a- uh, it was one of those movies where you like had to see it. There was like a conversation happening, you know. I mean, that was because you know what comes out like six or seven weeks into the Matrix's run. Uh, and we Star Wars, about yeah, Star Wars. Episode eight, one, eight weeks into the the Matrix Phantom Menace. Yeah. yeah. So you know, it was yeah, it was just a year of of must see movies. But the Matrix was the surprise. Yeah. And it was this weird R rated action sci fi movie. With Keanu uh, Reeves, who had dipped a little at that point. With Keanu Reeves, who had more than dipped. Yeah. Uh, and it cost $63 million to make. So, uh, like, a good-sized budget, but not, like, a Star Wars-level budget by any means. Well, I think it was a weird thing where, like, when it came out, they were like, Warner Brothers spent $60 million right. on that? Right, like, what is this? And it then when- Keanu Reeves and Lawrence Fishburne, who right. are kind of, you know, mid-range stars, like, not... And then when you saw it, you're like, I can't believe they made this for only $60 million. Well, well, like, then it flipped. Yeah. You know, you know what? Keanu was doing okay. The Devil's Advocate had been a, somewhat of a hit. Now, it, two before, years earlier, he had yeah, made a film for Yeah, and before that, it had been Speed. Bad like, run. you know, he'd made a lot of, like, he had not had any hits bef- in between those in two. In between Speed and uh, Devil's got, Advocate. You've got Johnny Mnemonic, my favorite movie. Yeah, uh, but not a hit. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, you've got the a Walk in the Clouds, which made $50 million. That's so weird. And, uh, you know, Chain Reaction, which is a famous yeah, bomb. Yeah, and right. Feeling Minnesota. You know, yeah. like, yeah. He, he Keanu was definitely on the... And this movie was offered to Will Smith, mm-hmm. and he almost took it. I think it was offered to a lot of people. But Johnny I think, Depp, I think yeah. the Wachowskis wanted very But I badly. think Will Smith yeah. was, like, actually... Close. Close-ish. Yeah. And then decided not to, to make Wild Wild West instead. I mean, this is one of those movies where, like, for the three lead roles, they offered it to, like, all to the everybody. big people. Yeah. And, and everyone Ewan turned McGregor it down. was considered for Morpheus, I think, as was Val Kilmer. There's, like, a lot of yeah. different Morpheus. I heard Val Kilmer for Neo as well. Uh, well, you know, maybe. I mean, I, I think they just offered it to anybody it, who so, had, like, so if headlined you- a movie and then... It was one of these weird instances where, like, everyone turned it down, and then the three people they got were the only three people who possibly could have played those roles. Totally. It's so hard to imagine it's, anyone it's else. It's crazy. You can imagine Will Smith as Neo, but it's a, a totally different movie. Yeah, and it's, it's a, just a Will totally Smith different movie. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. 
Like uh, they they found three people who somehow like were ju- had just enough sort of like, I mean, Carrie on Moss was pretty Carrie much unknown at this nobody. point. No, yeah. But like Fishburne and Reeves had just enough like sort of movie star iconography to yeah, have you that could put weight. their names above the title. Yeah. But but like they weren't big enough that they overpowered the thing. Right. Um, and they just ate. and th- these became the this these this is the iconic role for both actors and yeah. both actors have done plenty of other iconic roles but yeah. certainly but this is the definitive when they die they'll go Morpheus from the Matrix trilogy Neo from the Matrix trilogy yeah yeah so Karen uh, Moss is forever gonna be Trinity yeah well, yeah. yeah that's true Nicholas Cage yeah. Uh, Tom Cruise was considered, but Tom Cruise was considered for literally every part in every movie right, in the 90s. Right, right. They went to, like, every guy who was, like, an A-list leading man. Gary yeah. Oldman and Samuel L. Jackson were considered for Morpheus. Yeah. Right, it makes you sense. Know, yeah. It goes on and on. I mean, like, if you go through, like, this sort of trivia on this shit, it's like yeah. any actor, basically, from the 90s. So, but they made Bound, as we talked about last mm-hmm. week. The Wachowskis. Yes. They're in Hollywood. They've, like... Written a couple scripts. They've got this script, The Matrix, right? Yeah. As we talked about last week. Keep talking while I eat on mic. uh, Gross. As we talked about last week, Warner Brothers was like, crazy script, guys. Uh, What is this? What's going on? What are you doing here? Huh? They make Bound, and I guess Bound is impressive enough. It gets critical acclaim, and it looks cool. It doesn't make any money. That Joel Silver... Who is a producer? He has silver pictures at, he's, at Warner wait, Brothers. I'm sorry, he's a what? He's a producer. Oh, here we go. Like, like producer Ben? Who? The Ben Deucer? Wow. Producer Ben? The Poet Laureate? The Haas? Mr. Positive? Birthday Benny? The Tiebreaker? The Peeper? Not the Fuckmaster? No, nope. he is the Fuckmaster. I'm the Fuckmaster. He's yes. not Professor Crispy. Nope. No. Perhaps one day. They call him Ben Nichamla. They do. They call him Kylo Ben. Ben, Obi Ben Kenobi. I can't. Obi Ben Kenobi. Obi Wan Ben Kenobi. I call him Ben Hosley, my Old good friend. Ben Kenobi. Yes. And well, I hey say, guys. Hello, Fennel. Hello, Fennel. Hello, Fennel. All right. You like this movie, Ben. How old were you when this came out, Ben? Uh, 1999. Yeah, I was 47 years old. Uh, no, I I guess I was a freshman in high school. Sure. Okay. So you're like a year older than me, Ben. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. 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 Uh, so what, uh, what, do you remember seeing this in theaters? I do. Uh, it was uh, it was a big movie for me. I got super into smoking weed around this time in my life. <laughs> we were talking about this off mic. Yeah, yeah. we're recording. You'll hear this oh, later. It's uh, four twenty, guys. Happy yeah. four twenty. So uh, yeah, wrote this an article was... about time traveling bong for the Atlantic. Yeah, and Ben smoking that dank weed left and right. Hell yeah, yeah. hell yeah. yeah. No, so this was like definitely a movie. Me and my friends were like, "Yo, The Matrix." Though, if you think about it. Uh, but that's my that's my uh, that's, your thing. that's my memory of uh, the Matrix. Because uh, I was gonna say, I mean, I uh, snuck into this movie. Mm-hmm. We bought with, tickets with a lady friend. No, no, the lady friend was ten things I hate about you. Oh, right, yes, me sorry, and sorry. like a bunch of my friends from school, like you know, a bunch of little thirteen year olds. Uh, we went to the Odeon Leicester Square, I believe. This is in England. We bought tickets to She's All That. Mm-hmm. Which I guess was the the counter programming in England. And release dates are different there, especially yeah. back then. And we snuck into the Matrix because it was rated fifteen. You know, we had to be fifteen. That was just formative. It was formative. It was yeah. like the beginning of me deciding to see movies by myself and you know having my own uh, interests rather than just like being taken to the movies. Well, I I mean the thing I remember sort of parallel to that is I it was one of the first movies where I watched it and then had to explain to my mom how good it was. Sure. Like yeah, I had to right. convince my mom to watch it. And it was like you're not recommending oh, a movie my to me. My mother's never seen this movie. Yeah. No, I think my mom saw it and liked yeah. it. 
Um, if if we're if we're like tiptoeing around talking about this movie right now, it's hard to talk about we, it. We were like talking about before we got in here. It. It's like it, it, this is like. It's it's the Matrix. Because okay, look, we had to talk about Star Wars, like the original Star Wars. True. But at that time, we were doing it under the auspices of like a bit. Well, also we did ten episodes per movie, so right. we could really dig in. Yeah, but this is like, how do you fucking talk about the Matrix where it's like, a, I mean, this is the other thing we were saying. This is a really simple, stupid thought, but it's like watching it, rewatching it last night. Yeah. Like any other time, we have a movie. Watch it with a close eye. I, I kind of watch it. Yeah, with you're a, like, ooh, I never noticed that before. Right, and with a mind towards like, what are we going to talk about in the podcast? Right, this is the Matrix. It's so ingrained in our DNA. Yeah, at I know this every point. frame of it. Right, that you like can't kind of can't watch it fresh. We, we were talking about it's like one of the first DVDs I ever owned, so well, I'd yeah. watch it over and over just because I liked it, but also because. I didn't own a lot of DVDs, so it was like easy to watch it over and over again. So I know like every action beat to this movie. Yeah, like all of it. I mean, there were scenes I used to watch over and over and over again. I mean, I guess we should just go through the plot, right? Well, but, let but me just finish yeah. on it. Uh, I was gonna, Joel oh, yes, Silver, producer yes. Joel. Yes, sorry, as they, producer yeah. Joel. Producer Joel. Yeah. Uh, you know, he had his shingle. That fat fuck in the ice cream colors. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. He had his shingle uh, uh, silver pictures at Warner Brothers, and he liked the movie. Yeah, he liked the script. Yeah. So he encouraged it. Uh, and I think this uh, other guy, you know, but, and so the mate, the uh, the Wachowskis got together with uh, this guy, Jeff Darrow, who I think was the guy who drew, like, uh, Transmetropolitan, maybe? Okay. I don't know. I yeah, can't that remember. that makes sense. Yeah, the Warren Ellis he was, book. Yeah. I don't think it, uh, I don't think it was that. It was, he was, it was a graphic novelist, okay. whatever. He, he And they storyboarded, like, the whole movie, like, 600 pages. They brought that to Warner Brothers, and Warner Brothers was like, all right. Like sixty million dollars. Mm-hmm. If you can do that, like then you can do that. And they had to shoot it in Australia. Here's another way that this movie fucking like changed everything. Yeah, this was like one of the first big movies to shoot in Australia. Totally. And then uh, that became the thing for the next yeah. ten that's, years. Uh, Village Roadshow, which is the production company, you know, that produces. Right. You know, that's an Australian production company. Yeah. And they became like a powerhouse. Yeah, and they started pushing everything to Australia. Australia suddenly had like all this land, really good crews, and like good insane you tax could, rebates. You could, you know, a lot of different landscapes you could use. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like I mean, the uh, the city. Yeah. Is Sydney, I think, in the, you know, the sort of the, the city of the Matrix is actually Sydney. Oh, interesting. Okay. I mean, I, obviously it's supposed to be kind of Chicago-y, yeah. but, uh, but uh, it's, uh, it's, it's using the Sydney It's, it's a versatile country. There's a, there's a lot of different uh, landscapes there. Yeah. Um, and, also, and big studio, you know, big warehouses and shit. You and know, right? and yeah. a, a wealth of good actors. Totally. And like Totes. half of this cast is Australian. Is that right? Because the thing about the Matrix that's fascinating yeah. is you've got... Keanu and Lawrence, mm-hmm. you know, and those are your two stars. You have Carrie Ann Moss, who is like a TV actor. She's Canadian, I think. Right. You know, who yeah. they just like the look, and they like. You got Joey Pants, Pantoliano, yeah. coming back from Bound. Oh, He's God. the returning player yeah. from Bound. Yeah, and you've got Hugo Weaving, who is an Australian. Mm-hmm. And he'd been in like he'd been in uh, the Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. He, you know, he yeah. was like. And then you've just got a bunch of, like, who the fuck are these guys? Like, they are only in the Matrix. They're a bunch of, like, Australian snooks. That's like what they crazy. are. It's, yeah. like, crazy. Yeah. And you have Gloria Foster, who, she's a real oh, actress, who God. plays the Oracle, yeah. who's great. Yeah. But, like, the rest of the of the ship, those, those guys? Those are tanks, like, who are those switch. Guys? Yeah. yeah. APOC. APOC. <laughs> <laughs> I love them. Like, they're great. Me I too. love that they all have their own little kind of Matrix look. You know, they all, go, yeah. they all got their own sunglasses. Yeah. But, I mean... Uh, they're just a bunch of dweebs. Like, it's great. Well, Dozer's the guy who ends up being, like, the main plug-in guy, right? No, that's Tank. That's Tank? Tank, Tank th- is Tank is played by Marcus Chong. Right, who is Tommy Chong's son. Yeah, and, and is a handsome boy. 
and was fired from the sequels because he, he was apparently for like $3 million or something, I think. And I was heard he was very difficult to work with. That's... It sounds like he was one of those actors. He's really charming in this movie. I like him a lot in this. Uh, yeah, he's good. He's good. He's not like... I think that Harold Perrineau is objectively better. He's a better in, actor yeah. in the grand scheme of things. But uh, but no no I mean he's you know he's the one in the Matrix so he's good he's good he's good. Yeah. No Dozer is the his big brother right played okay. by a guy called Anthony Ray Parker. Yeah who like didn't do other stuff. Yeah I mean I mean obviously a lot of the cast gets killed off in this movie so you don't need them to do a lot. But it's just funny like sometimes you'll see a movie like say like the Star Wars prequels. Yeah. And you'll be like, oh, hey, look in the background. Like, That's there's Rose, Rose Byrne. Byrne. Right, like, oh, yeah. someone who got famous. Yeah. This one's like, hey, nobody. Hey, well, look, look at nobody. Well, look. The Except guy... for Hugo Weaving. And, and who else went on to something big? You're not going to. You mean Mouse. You mean. Uh, went uh, on to play Elon Sleaze Bagano in yeah. Attack of the Clones, David. Yeah, but, it, but it is weird. Matt, I, Matt Doran. Matt Doran, yeah. But he's Australian, too. All the other people on the crew yeah, are Yeah, and Australian. Attack of the Clones yeah. shot in Australia. Yeah, and I think the other agents are Australian, maybe. They suck. Oh, my God. I love how bad they are. Because Hugo Weaving is, it's like, so masterful good. in this yeah. movie. And then the other two agents, are they can barely speak they're their lines. They're so basic. It's yeah. great. They, it's great. They, they're like only human. It's like literally like they are machines who can't talk. But doesn't that strike you as probably Australian actors who hadn't mastered the accent no, totally. were having a I really mean, hard they're, time? They're cast yeah. on look. They're just yeah. cast because they look like bland white guys. There's also this They're thing, both Australian, yeah. Uh, uh, Galaxy Quest, a movie oh, I love. Robert Taylor, who played Agent Jones, uh-huh. is now the lead of Longmire. What? Who knew? Is he Australian? Yeah. Weird. I know. Longmire? Yeah, that, that like Western show. Yeah, yeah. weird. Anyway, um, what I was gonna say was uh, so I take it back. One of the one of the ensemble got famous. Went big success. Uh, Galaxy Quest, a movie I love, which I believe I've referenced several. Yeah, also ninety nine film. Yes, yeah, and my single favorite movie of all time, arguably, comes from nineteen ninety nine. Uh, your single fa- oh, Toy Story two. Yep. Yeah, the best movie of nineteen ninety nine is Eyes Wide Shut. Toy Story two. Anyway. Uh, Galaxy Quest. Uh huh. They cast uh, what, what's his name? Uh, Enrico uh, Colantini. Yeah. However you say his name, the, Can- yeah. the Canadian actor from Veronica Mars and Just, Just Shoot Me and shit. He's they, great. They so cast good him in Galaxy Quest. So good. They cast him to play the lead Thermian, right? They, you know, all uh, th- that the vocal, the sort of movement, the, the way he holds himself, all, all of that. Just one of the greatest pieces of like quote unquote like alien acting yeah, ever. It's amazing. So funny. But on, on a par with Vincent D'Onofrio in Men in Black. But they cast that part first. Mm-hmm. They he came in with all of that developed that yeah. wasn't like oh, in the I script, see. right, right. And then they went when they were casting the other. They roles. were like copy him, and that's like the other people are like Rain Wilson and totally. Missy Pyle uh, and a bunch of great characters. Missy Pyle actors. and that other guy who was in Deadpool this year, the the, the, the uh, yeah. Jed Reese. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah, and there's another guy, Patrick something, who's a really good stage actor. Yeah, but anyway, we're not talking. My my point is, they went. To like all of them, and they went, "Hey, we cast this copy, guy. Copy. He's the leader. Right. This is the template." Right. And it feels like with the Matrix, they did the same thing. Yeah, and they like, were like, "We cast Hugo Weaving. Watch yeah. him. Watch like, him. And listen they, to his voice." And these people were like, "That's very simple. He's doing straight arrow. That's right. easy." And then it like it's a masterclass in showing like how hard it is to be that focused, that restrained. You know, mm-hmm. that sparse. Yeah, because okay, so let's get into this. Movie. Yeah, let's get into this one. I, we so this movie is like a yeah. classic. Like it's like it's like all these things coming together, right? Yeah. It's like all these different influences. Like you've got this sort of comic booky thing. Mm-hmm. You've got this steampunk look. Mm-hmm. And you have these like cyberpunk themes like about hackers and like, you know, 
reality versus virtual reality. Well, this and, sort know, of like deep sci-fi thinking, like you hardcore hard, sci-fi thinking. Yeah, yeah. And, and then you're mixing. They're also mixing in like philosophical ideas of the 20th century. Right, and like, but you're getting you know, like this Arthur C. Clarke, like Philip K. Dick, Ray Bradbury sort of area. But for the first time, being able to realize this stuff on a massive visual scale. Uh, and then they're also mixing in like their love of like anime, which I know shit about. Yeah, but, you know, and in Japanese, like, uh, like cool, like Japanese serialized stuff and martial like, arts, kung films. fu movies. Yeah, right. Like which, and and they hired this legendary Chinese choreographer, yeah. Yang, Yuan Wo Ping. I don't, know, you know, uh, who's like does all the fight sequences. Did Crouching Tiger. And it's like, yeah. That's why people coming out of the movie, like the audiences, couldn't tell you what it was because it's like, well. They they sh- it's martial arts, but it's also like guns. Yeah, and it's like they're hackers, but it's like a computer movie. But then it's like it's just it's so many things at once. There's this weird. It shouldn't work at all. It shouldn't work at all. There's this weird phenomenon that happens very rarely, where something like it comes along that just sort of crystallizes all these things that were in the air that someone hadn't pulled down to the ground yet. You and know, they, they they just managed to get like for Johnny Mnemonic, a movie that had yeah. come out four years ago. Which is like a cyberpunk movie, and it has a lot of these themes of like hacking and like that's a movie that totally bombs. It's yeah. trying to do the same kind of thing, and it like totally blows it. It sucks. Yeah. Like as much as I love that movie for how weird it is, it sucks. But I also think it's the Matrix is a weird case where it's like unsuccessful movies that had come out before with similar elements set the stage for people to understand what this movie was. There's a yeah. story I love uh, that uh, um, Dick Havitt went to see Woody Allen at like Cafe Wa one night. Okay. And silence, right? Uh-huh. And he was doing his shtick. Uh-huh. And Dick Havitt was like, I thought this was the funniest guy I'd ever seen. And sure. no one was laughing. Right. No one was getting it. And I saw him a couple times. And then about a year later, I went, I saw him, and the audience just loved him. And it was lo- just like the right moment. And, like, and, and the, the moment next, had come. The next day, he was written up in the New York Times, right. and he was Woody Allen. It was permanent. And he said, right. I realized the first night I saw him, there was no context for what sure. he was doing. Right. And it was like a year in, to some degree, what he had been putting out there had sort of dripped into the culture. Even people didn't know it, where it's like the people who saw him that night and didn't laugh at it then had that in the back of their minds, and then it transfers the rest of to other things. And I get what you're going for with this. And with The Matrix, it's just sort it of just like... came at a perfect time. Like, kung fu movies were a thing that were enough in our DNA yeah. as Americans, whether or not we had seen them. To not them. be, like, totally niche. Yeah. Like, all these pieces made sense. Um, okay, so the movie starts out with what is called Digital Rain. That's right, yes. The, uh, the, the green, the green, green code of The Matrix. The green code of The Matrix. Um, yeah, and you hear a woman on the phone with a guy, and they're like, you know, obviously surveilling someone. It's all very noiry. It, it starts like in action, right? Like mid action. They are being tapped by like an unknown force that we don't understand. We see like a like a, a trace. Yeah, know, like a phone trace. Yeah, and and they're not using garbage made up language, right? Which we've talked about a lot on movies that take place in like weird, crazy worlds. If you start with a prologue about what fucking happened, it's like That's really a good hard. Point. That's one thing that really works about this movie, even versus a movie like Inception, where yeah. it's like we even they obviously sometimes they spout jargon and whatever, but mostly it's all very, very grounded language. And it's pretty conversational. Yeah. 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 So all things like plug and unplug, things we get. Well, and it's all the scenes are mapped pretty clearly onto like the objectives are always very, very clear, right? And you I, hear these two people talking, and it's like, are we being spied on? What's going on here? Yeah, and they're talking about this. They're also talking about this guy where the guy's yeah. like, she's like, the guy's like, do you believe in this thing? And she's like, I don't know, you know, like. So you have no idea what they're talking about, but here's what you know they're in danger and they're looking for a guy. 
Easy. This is and this is the thing. I got it. And I think yeah. and I, we as I just said, and we'll talk about the sequels when we talk about the sequels. But I mean, even when you think about a movie today, like Batman versus Superman, mm-hmm. whatever, like the I, the fact that they storyboarded this out also clearly, yeah, like probably really helped with that. Like let's like ground every scene in something someone can understand. Well, and this is a movie that cost ten times more than Bounded, but sure. has the right. exact same economy of storytelling. Like yeah. there's not a wasted frame in this film. Um, but you start like mid action with that intensity. The two actors are doing good work, just voice only, right? Totally. The digital uh, rain. Moss and Joey Pants. Yep. Yeah, it's still like a compelling visual, and then you jump straight into this crazy action sequence that's unlike anything you've ever seen. This before. is the thing. Yeah. It leads with this, you know, Trinity, this like hacker lady who's like dressed in PVC and has like this crazy like slick back, like short black hair. Yeah, God, I wanted and, her like, haircut so well, badly. Well, you're just like, yeah. what the fuck is that? You know, like look yeah. at this person. Yeah. Like it's beyond any. Forget the action for a second. Just look at this person. She's very striking, and yeah. she's in this like cat suit, you know, mm-hmm. and um. And, like, a cop tries to arrest her or whatever, and she, like, jumps in the air and, like, does a crazy kick. Like a spider and kick. And the camera is spins yeah. all the way around her, which now, I guess, is old hat, but then was, like, completely bonkers. I said, this like, is, the camera this is, freezes and yeah. spins 180 degrees this around This is a her. pre-Shrek world. We didn't know that Princess Fiona could do that. This was uncharted territory. That scene territory. in Shrek is so infuriating. Remember how that. funny we all thought Shrek was? We're not talking about Shrek because the internet talks way too much about Shrek as it is. Can we do a miniseries called Blank Shrek? <laughs> oh fuck! It's too good. We have to do it because there are five. No. There are five films to we talk about. We would have to get Pilot on board. Oh, because you want to talk about the uh, amusement park uh, film? Or do oh, you mean then Puss there's in six Puss in Boots. Yeah. I I just want to restate: Shrek 4D is a shitty okay. movie. So, but I mean, the bullet time thing, yeah. the the spin, yeah, is the best. Yeah, it's the best, and that's like minute. Two second oh, fifteen. So good. Yeah, it's like so early on, and like so you're cut and you're cutting to the a, Hugo Weaving, this Agent Smith guy, telling the cops like mm, your men are already dead. Yeah, you know, like he's like, you're you know, who are these like feds? What is this? But but here's here's this bigger. And then thing. she does that, and you're like, oh, she's crazy. And yeah. I just want to get to, and then they they start chasing her, and uh-huh. she jumps from one building to another, which is incredible. You know, right? Cool. And then one of the uh, agents does too. Yeah, and the cop does like there's like a great like Spielberg face of the cop watching yes. it, and he just goes, "That's impossible." Yeah, yeah, which I love. He doesn't say like "Holy shit" or like "Whoa." He says like, "I just won't. Ref- I refuse to believe what I just saw." But, but it's like high angle camera oh, with so the cop good. looking up, so you have that Spielberg look you're saying where the eyes are wide, you yeah. know, and gazing oh. upward. Yeah. And there's this, like, amazing uh, sign on one of the buildings that just says, like, guns and ammo. Yes. And it's a oh, billboard with a gun smoking. The look of this movie is immediately, incredible. like, it's raining, it's dark, uh, the buildings look, everything's real. Yeah. And it's all green. That's the other thing. It's everything's like all super green. It's green. crazy green we, filters on everything. Which is my favorite color. Because we're in the Matrix. My number one favorite color. We're wearing color. a green shirt right now. As, as are you. Yes. Wow. And I have green, beautiful green eyes. I, okay. I mean. No, go on. Ladies. Um, I, uh, I, I look at this as a case study of the positive opposite of uh, something we've identified as the problem with a lot of other movies we've talked about on this show, right? Yeah. Which is like when a movie starts the way that After Earth does, oh where it's like oh in boy. the year 2074. Talk about the opposite right? of, yeah, of a uh, good idea. You know, the Earth is yeah, no, attack, I, this I, and that. Imagine if this movie started that way where it's like... Humans and machines fought a war, and then the Matrix was created, or whatever. You know, like that would be the worst movie ever. You'd just tune right out. 
So filmmaking is like a magic trick, right? <laughs> yeah. You're trying to get the audience to believe in this thing that you're doing. You're getting them to look at this hand so they don't notice the other hand. They don't see the plot machinations because they're in- engaged it's with the so action. Good. Right? I love it. So if you start out by going like, the Ursus could smell fear, I go, you're panicking. <laughs> yeah, right. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if you spend the first 10 minutes of your movie explaining to me everything I need to understand the rest of the movie, you seem scared and I don't trust you. But The Matrix starts out and they're just like, we expect you're going to keep up with this. Mm-hmm. We're not going to feed you anything. Yeah, it's it's that argument, right? An argument that a lot of good things have made, which is like, yeah, audiences are intelligent. If the thing is good, and then the, they'll be interested. And the confidence of this movie, the way it starts, this movie is just such a clearly realized vision. Even watching it today, but it just drops you in. Yep. You have no idea what the fuck is going on. Yep. It's it's arguably overwhelming, right? Yeah. yeah. But these filmmakers seem so like strong-minded and like we're going to make this make sense you know, to I'm you. Gonna, right. I'm going to I'm just going to run with this. Stick and, with us. Yeah. Look at my hand, you know? Right, right. There's and nothing up the sleeves. Like, stick with me. So after, so there's this great chase sequence, which is what you're talking about. Yeah. Which is where it's just like, they're like, look, we don't, we know you don't know who she is. Yeah. We know you don't know who the guys in the suits are. That digital text thing, you have no idea what that was. You don't know what that rain you was. No you don't idea. know what that opening thing was right. with the trace and the conversation with the other, with Joey Pants. But admit it's pretty cool. But it's really cool. Stick with us. And, uh, and then... Like we, she like is running. She gets on a payphone and yeah. she like you know whatever. She escapes. She gets sucked in, and the agents are like, mm, you know, we got a target. So, you know, uh, uh. All right, and so then we cut to Keanu Reeves as like a hacker. And let's just say, what a handsome face. Handsome, handsome man. I forgot. Like watching this movie. So this movie is a very pale movie. Yes. Uh, which is crazy because it's also and especially this is especially true in the sequels. Like one of the most racially diverse and conscious, like movies of its of its kind, in history, but forever. It's, yes, but it's like, got a sort of day. washed out look. Oh no, totally. Yeah, but like right. yeah, this movie, like the two of the three heroes are these like drawn white, like like sort of almost a ghost like people. Yeah, and you know, and Keanu, that's why Keanu is perfect for this part. And we, and we he we, looks like a ghost. Yes, and when we say white, we mean it literally. No, like he's, white. He's not yeah. like a peach skin no, man. No. The way they film him, he is <laughs> white as a sheet. I mean, of paper. he is like an, he looks apart from the fact that he's like so freaking handsome and he knows how to dress God, himself. He's so beautiful. He's a beautiful yeah. person, but he you know he looks like kind of like a hacker. Like he looks you know like someone who like spends his days never looking seen at a sunlight. screen. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, you never like in these beginning scenes. It's always nighttime and it's always raining. Yeah, and he he's and like it's a, always green. I mean, he looks like he's gonna vomit. You yeah, know, oh, yeah, totally. So he's a hacker, and he there's this whole thing where he has like the computer talks to him and tells him to follow white rabbit. We can't do the whole plot of this movie, but you know, it's so dense. Yeah, but but yeah, I mean, he you know he's let he he's the computer talks to him, and it's it's the he moment. feels like he's talking to his computer, and the computer is saying like, what is the Matrix? But this is so. also like fucking minute four of the film, eh, ten. I whatever. I mean, early on. Oh, right, because the chase is a little bit longer. But like, you know, minute seven or yeah, eight, yeah, whatever. whatever it is, um, you have this moment that's like the the key moment for any good hero's journey type film. Totally. And these are movies about the hero's journey, right? And, and they, subverting them. And they establish and the entire dynamic them. in like fifteen seconds. Here's a guy sleeping on a keyboard, he's, he, right? His 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 life is he's asleep. He, right. Through his life, he's asleep. We know that from the first- It's like he's in a dream. That's the first fucking shot of this character. What's totally. he doing? He's indoors in a cramped, dark apartment. No, no, yeah. He's sleeping on a keyboard. This guy doesn't have it going together. No, you know? but it's not like, just that. It's like he's a walking dreamer. Yes, and right, of course, right. he's the like a zombie. Of the Matrix. He lifts his head up. The person's talking to him. 
don't you think there's something out there, Neo? You yeah, know, yeah, that sort yeah, of the, promise. The talking it's, it's the Luke looking at the two sons. Well, there has the, to be something better that. out there for me. They make the reference to Alice in Wonderland, and again, yeah, it makes it Alice really clear, Wonderland. easy right. to follow. Yeah, follow the white rabbit, yep. and, you know, that's right, and he follows this uh, girl with a white rabbit tattooed, and he goes to a club, and Rob Zombie is playing, and Trinity is there. Dragula. Yeah, Dragula. I forgot how much new metal there was in this movie. That's the other thing about The Matrix. <laughs> yeah. It had this crazy influential soundtrack, and that influence was maybe not so good. Yeah. A couple bad years yeah, there. Yeah, it, it doesn't really age I own well. the soundtrack. Yeah, really? Yeah. I mean, because it's like, it's like half new metal and half like just techno music. The techno yeah. stuff's not bad. The score in this movie is also amazing. Don Davis, I believe. It's yeah. one who did the, Bound as well. Nah. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's the thing. He brought They brought over... Uh, Bill Pope and yeah, Zach Steinberg yeah, yeah. and Don Davis, all the guys who worked on their little indie movie, yeah. just come right to this big thing, and they do great. And you know what else they brought? A pair of pants. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Joy pants. Oh, <laughs> oh God. A tailor-made pair of pants. <laughs> and and they Italian it, pants. They put it right over the genitals <laughs> of this movie, that pants. So, so uh, Keanu, yeah. he meets with Trinity at this bar for a second. And it almost feels like they're at a fetish club and it's like, is this it's a totally seduction a fetish club. thing? There's like people in cages and shit. You know what I'm saying? Their conversation is so charged that it's like, is this just some sex thing she's trying to rope him into, you mm, know? That's what the Matrix is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then there's this, I t- to me when I was a kid, such an iconic thing where it's like, oh yeah, he's a grown up. And his job is that he goes into an office building and it's boring. Yeah. I and love like there are cubicles. Yeah. Because like, oh, uh, he's a slave. Trinity wears black <laughs> leather and he wears a white shirt. And like there's this scene where his boss is lecturing him and is like, you know, you have to be on time. And like you're asleep, you know, it's like you're sleepwalking. And then he says, how about I give you the finger? And then no, he no, that's him. later. That's oh, later. that's, that's, a, that's, yeah, that's Agent Smith. Yeah, yes, yes, yeah. And then Neo gets, a, he gets a FedEx package and it's oh a, it's a Nokia phone with like a slidey thing. It, ben, like, do you remember this phone? Of this course. This the hottest phone it's in the world. It's spring-loaded. He hits goes, a button and the thing yeah. like sticks out. Yeah. Wasn't this like the start of like it was cell start. phone it was advertising the start. Absolutely. in movies? Yeah. Absolutely. For sure. Yes. It was the first cell phone that anyone had ever, except for One Fine Day. They have the uh, StarTax in One Fine Day. Hey, can I talk about One Fine Day for one second? You'd better be one second. Whoever did the original song for One Fine Day, that was nominated for an Academy Award that year. Wasn't it Diane Warren? Maybe, yeah, maybe. I don't remember who sang it, right? But there was like the One Fine Day song. Not the song One Not Fine Day, the but there was an original song. song. Day. Written for One Fine Day at the Academy Award for the first time. Yes. It was sung by Kenny Loggins. Hey, it was a James Newton Howard joint. Anyway, go ahead. At the Academy Awards that year, they performed the song and they did like a montage of famous couples in movies. Okay, over the on the screen behind them. So it was like they were playing that, and then they showed like Bogey and Bacall. Okay, you what's know? your point? And they showed like whatever, and then one of the couples they showed was Luke and Leia. Oh dear. And I remember being an Oscar party with my parents, everyone being like, the brethren, you guys know that. Like, it was like Kenny Loggins singing, like, and the moment where it happens. And then it was just Luke and Leia smiling at each other. Well, whatever. Moving on. That's good, crazy. Good impression of what I think that song sounds like. Yeah, it was pretty good. And I mean, the moment where it happens, where Oscars, you fuck so your sister <laughs> in space. So he gets a phone call yeah. from Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> a spring phone. And Lawrence Fishburne seems to be telling him he's Morpheus. And he seems to be telling him, like, uh, you know, like anticipating what's happening in the world. Can we he's talk like, about another moment that, like, at that point you're just like, this? I can't believe how cool this is. What? Zip. Open FedEx package. Just cell a phone. phone. Immediately it starts ringing. It's great. Immediately. It's great. And like, at that point you're like, wait, what? It's great. 
Like, I mean, it's the it's the sort of postmodern, whatever, cyberpunky version of the fucking Harry Potter thing. Yeah. Of the like, you're special, and yeah. we found you. Like yeah. you know, like you are the one person who sees the world for what it is, which is like dull as dishwater. And, and you immediately know how special you are because of how special the way we're communicating yeah, with you is. Yeah, because you're in a movie. Yeah. Because yeah. cool shit's That's happening. why The Matrix works, because yeah. it's they are in a movie. It's yeah. called The Matrix. Yeah. That's what their reality is. Yeah. That's what our, you know... that. I, I could just talk about The Matrix for my whole it's life. Like, it, it's, it's so much more difficult to talk about The Matrix for one episode than it would be to talk about it for 40 episodes. So then I want to cut ahead to the next yeah. iconic scene mm-hmm. after this sort of chase with the phone, which is very fun. He gets, Neo gets captured by the agents. Mm-hmm. Hugo Weaving gives this fucking Oscar monologue where he's like, you know, in one life, you, uh, you know, you're Thomas Anderson and you pay your taxes. And then he goes, Mr. Like, Anderson. And he says, you help your landlady carry out her garbage you know like he has these great like this way great way of talking what what are you david that is an incredible Thank impression you. i've watched the matrix way too many times yeah, but ben i'm not alone in this right that's no, like really strong very solid <laughs> i've watched it too many times but you'd be better as one of the backup agents than the guys I they fucking been hired them, you could have done it you yeah. can't just do hugo weaving that's the problem he's got that weird american accent that's not quite right which, which is perfect nailed. yeah right but like Everyone, I feel like, should have their own version of that, like, rather than just doing a Hugo Weaving. I mean, look, all I'm going to say is, at the very least, put that in a reel, submit it to Mad TV. <laughs> that's, you got you got at least one. Did you hear they're bringing Mad TV back? Yeah, that's why I'm saying it. You got to strike, David. <laughs> got to do my Agent Smith. Yeah. Uh, and that's when Neo gives Agent Smith the finger. Yeah. Yeah, about, fuck I, the man. I give you the finger. How about I give you the finger? Yeah. And uh, you give me my phone call. Or right. Whatever. Yeah. And uh, then they... they, they uh, they say, "How could you make a yeah. phone call if you're unable to if you're unable to speak?" Yeah, and, uh, uh, and his mouth closes up. It's the craziest. People still talk to me about it when I, I mention the Matrix. How much that freaked them out. Can I do a merchandise spotlight for a second? Uh, sure. Was there a, a mouth closing up yep. uh, Neo toy? Yeah. So there was probably a lot of Matrix toys, right? Yeah. They like were... after the fact, a lot well, of like collectible. Here's shit. Here's what's weird. They actually, and it's like a moment where I think Warner Brothers didn't know how big this movie was going to be. Obviously, how could no they one could have. Yeah. But they had some weird foresight because they actually did have like a full line of action figures that were released when the movie was out, like in theaters for an R-rated movie. That was like a pretty bold. But I mean, when bet. you see this movie, it's a it's a why you know why not you know yeah. like this movie. Is that Morpheus calling? Ben, are you, do you have to take that call? Uh, I don't know. Should I pick it up? Yeah, pick it up. Uh, all right. Hold on, hold on. Ben's doing I don't know. He's in a different room. Hello? <laughs> uh, keep going. Sorry. Uh, sorry, guys. Okay. Is, it's is not every, a bit. Is everything okay, Ben? <laughs> this is actually it's just not, not a bit. A bit. <laughs> just, it's just, that's just uh, the glitch in the matrix. Is okay, say. but if if this now, what what if this wasn't a bit? And Ben, the next thing we saw was Ben on the fire escape. <laughs> he drops the phone. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, we're probably cutting this out. Um, but no, but so the thing where his mouth closes up is like a oh, perfect oh, yes. nightmarish like uh, image. Merchandise spotlight. Oh, yeah. Okay. First wave of action figures was just like uh, Neo, yeah, Neo, Trinity, Morpheus, Morpheus Agent uh, Smith. Cypher, Agent Smith, and Switch. Hey, she's cool. She's yeah. got the blonde hair they and the white there. suit. She's cool. And then the second series of toys, they were like, we're going to do moments. Oh, it's so not they, didn't, the they, they should have been like APOC. <laughs> I just want to say APOC because yeah. he does this. No, they were like, we're going to do moments. Uh-huh. So they did uh, Tank. 
with like the gun shooting at yeah, Cypher. Yeah, with the like electric gun thing. They did uh-huh. Trinity in the kick, the flying uh-huh. kick thing. The and then the one that thing. I bought that I was like, I thought that was the coolest it one. It is the coolest one. Was Mr. Anderson. Mm-hmm. And it's just Keanu in a nice white shirt and slacks. Sure. Like screaming with his mouth closed. The the image of his mouth closing, like of the yeah. little sort of like tendrils locking together on his yeah. mouth is great. Yeah. And I then had... he's basically just got like a, like yeah. a, a patch over his mouth. I had that toy proudly on my shelf, but I just love that if you covered up the face, it was just like, just some guy. So let's say something. Yeah. Uh, this is pro- This whole scene probably is about 20 minutes into the movie. Yeah. So, so far we've seen like a lady do crazy, like <laughs> spider kicking and jumping around buildings. Yeah. And we've seen this like cell phone sequence where someone's predicting the future. And still, like then we have an interrogation scene where they close his mouth up and then they put a bug in his belly button. Yeah. And like, I mean, how are you not flipping out at this point? Just being like, what is this movie? We also haven't seen Larry Fishburne at this point. We have, we've only heard his voice. Yeah. But I mean, it's like the idea where you're like, I get it. These are feds. These, This is like the government. These are men in black. Yeah. And they're going to torture him or something. They're, or they're going to imprison him. It's like, no, what they're going to do is they're going to take out a mechanical object that turns into a bug. <laughs> like a big, gross, like, I don't know, earworm. Yeah. Uh, uh, what, earwig or what? Yeah, and yeah. it'll go, it'll force itself into his belly button. Yeah. It is the greatest, like, sort of, like, reversal or, you know, like, you think you're watching an action movie or something. It's like, no, this is like a Cronenberg movie. Yeah. All of a sudden. And then he just wakes up, right? And then he wakes up. It's a hard cut to him waking up. He yeah, didn't and know he's like, the whole thing was a dream. It's yeah. like on his, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. he's, and uh, and then he gets picked up by the the team. Uh-huh. Morpheus, Trinity. Switch. Like, yeah, it's Trinity and Switch. Yeah. And uh, Apoc. Apoc. And they, they take the bug out of him with this crazy machine, which is fun. Yeah, which came with the action figure, even oh, though yeah? it was like, well, he's not going to hold it. Well, it's a later gonna... scene, but yeah. you know, maybe right. you could buy a Trinity to have it. Have, have yeah, her do I guess. It. Yeah. And then he meets Morpheus. Cool guy. Can I say this? <laughs> he's cool. got a lot of style. He's a cool guy. So Morpheus is in an abandoned house. There's like a thunderstorm outside. He's, he's wearing in a chair. He's wearing a he's wearing a floor length leather coat, leather fucking cape. I don't know, how, you know, like yeah. Uh, and he's got pince like sunglasses. Yeah, they have no arms on. Yeah, they they just pinch on his nose, and like it's all reflect. You know, they're. <sighs> and let's say this too, okay? Morpheus sitting in a chair, right? Like a comfy, like sort of like yeah. armchair. Yeah, like a red leather armchair. Yeah. Now that might sound like an inactive choice. Oh, boring sitting in a chair. That's a lazy man's position. This guy is sitting the shit out of that chair. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, he no totally one has, is. No one's ever fucking sat in a chair. For someone who has a, a lot of sitting in this movie, he does it well. He sits so fucking hard in this film. Yeah. And he gives a speech. I mean, yeah, he gives a speech where he, it's a lot of like, you know, what if you were dreaming? Like, and then you couldn't tell the difference between the dream and the real. And like, yeah, yeah. it's a lot of circular language. Yeah. But I mean, his basic choice is like, I, you can either take this blue pill and you just forget about it. Or you take this red pill and you like, you know. You go down the rabbit hole, you know, whatever. And this is one of my favorite things in the There's entire this, movie. You're talking about the shot where the hands are reflected in his sunglasses? Because well, that's, that's crazy. That's crazy, yeah. and it's great. They did that. That's like there's like green film on his glasses to pull right, that right. off. Right, right. It's a composite it like a crazy, shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but the, no, is, what I love more than that is you expect Alice in Wonderland style that if he swallows the pill, he'll immediately go into a crazy world. Yeah, sure. And instead he swallows the pill, and they're like, okay, good. Follow me into this room. Right. And they were like, what was that? And he was like, that 
pill stabilizes your blood pressure so we can put you into the matrix. <laughs> yeah, it's like that. it removes your output carrier signal. Right. They like start babbling at him. They sit him down. But the pill wasn't like just a- No, uh, no, right. right. It was then like, they have to do a bunch of phone shit. Pill, like, the pill like, was like means to an end. Like A, it wasn't a placebo. Yeah, what what's the blue pill do, do you think? Is it just like rehypnol? Does it just knock you out or something? So they can bring him back to his apartment. It's like NyQuil or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it just was a straight up NyQuil tablet. And do you think he has like a lot of those pills? Like, what does he have? Like a pill box? I, I don't. <laughs> how many people take the blue pill? I, it's it's so many questions. Yeah. In the world of the Matrix, we're we're called blue pills. That's like a muggle, and like Matrix people are called. You know, people are free are called red pills. Yeah. So you already hinted at like the 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 new metal thing was like a, kind of a pox on culture after this. Like, a little bit. You know, Matrix did a lot of this where it was like the Matrix is great. Like any great influential film, it created a lot of crap in yeah. its wake. Yeah. Yeah. And one of them is uh uh the the MRA movement. The right activists. Oh, uh, the, okay. The scum of the earth. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, the, the scourge of Twitter and yeah. all social media. Yeah. You know they're like really into the red pill theory. I see. They they see themselves as red pills. Is that because they're like woke? You know, they, they you like wake understand up and the realize true... that, that men are forced into roles that benefit women and that if we're going to actually live our lives, you have to. I'm going to venture you've spent too much time of your own personal time like uh, looking into this stuff. Correct. Yes. Yeah. I like staring into the sun. I do too, but... <laughs> But I've never done that. I've never, I've never gone down that rabbit hole. Is it? Yeah, it's uh, horrible. I've well, spent a, a lot of time. Yeah, and I hope that they they realize that these movies were made by awesome trans women who are yep. the best and think they suck. Yep. Because this is the thing about this movie. It's very utopian in its like uh, in its vision of its heroes and its villains and things like that. And yeah, it, it's also a movie about like. Um, you know, realizing the real body you're supposed to be, like claiming totally. your real body, totally. and like not accepting the reality that other people put upon you, but finding the right. the truth. And there's yeah. all these ideas. I mean, everyone was made to read this book, Simulacrum Simulacrum, by yeah. Baudrillard. Now, I, when I was in college, mm-hmm. uh, I took a um, uh, cyberpunk literature class, what? which was really cool. And uh, shout out to my professor, Stacy Gillis, who I believe still teaches at Newcastle, and it was the greatest. You. Know, fucking class I took the whole my whole time in Newcastle because mm-hmm. she was a genius but so we had to read uh, at least part of that book yeah which is a lot of you know this French guy going like you know I go to Disneyland and I think mm, this is reality or and, whatever and the book but it's great ha- the you book know. has the accent written in like that right oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I go to uh, Disneyland and uh... yeah that's yeah. a perfect perfect impression great so it's part of my mad TV reel yeah. yeah you know great job thank you um so anyway uh, the Matrix. Oh, oh, yeah. The, so book, the, the book, the book, the book. Right, right. And so, the, and there's also all this stuff, like you're saying about like accepting that the world around you is not, and the body you're in is not mm-hmm. the only, But also this free will versus fate shit. That's yeah. like the major theme of this, right? Yeah. It's like you know, are you, is this happening because it's supposed to happen? Because it's a movie, right? Or are you making these choices? You know, and like you know, accepting, creating your own hero's journey. Well, and, and this idea uh, of the one, you know, right, of, right, right, of right. there's one who's going to bring balance, who's going to free the people, who's going to be able to defeat the machines, and this entire idea of like, but, or, or is that right? Is the prophecy itself like like that? Isn't that its own form of like controlling kind of crappy? Or is or can you turn that into something real? So can we talk? I mean, I know we're skipping ahead, but can we talk about the best scene in the movie? Yeah, the best we scene can. in the movie is the Oracle's kitchen. Love that scene. Uh, I I think uh, I mean should have gotten an Academy Award nomination, mm-hmm. Gloria Stewart, mm-hmm. like one of the best one scene performances in history. It is so layered. There's so much going on. 
We, I mean, are we skipping over anything major? They bring him into the Matrix. They, are they bring him into the real world? <laughs> no, we're skipping some major stuff. So let's yeah, just okay. briefly, yeah, yes, because yeah. yeah, like yeah, they, there's this, you know he he touches this mirror, it, like covers him in like mirror goo, which once again is Alice in Wonderland right. imagery. It's it's through the looking glass. He wakes yeah. up in a pink pod. Uh, he's naked. Yeah. He's bald. He's hairless. He's covered in holes. But let's just say he still looks really good. He's pretty fuckable. He's pretty fuckable, and and, and more fuckable than ever actually because he's got more holes to fill. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh dear. I don't know if he looks but his best, but it's, I just want like from a utilitarian perspective, he is the most fuckable he's ever been. Just just continuing this body horror thing, like fuck the it's back of his neck, so horrifying. Fuck his forearms. That scene when he, when all the tendrils that are he's strapped to like snap off of him. A couple spots you could fuck in his. Spine, I and think. this is a sixty million dollar movie, Griffin. Yeah, and like that vision he has when he like wakes up in the real world, and there's like millions of pods or whatever. Yeah, being harvested by like robot tentacles and shit. Uh, humans as batteries, which is a recurring theme in the Wachowski oeuvre. That's true. You're yeah. thinking of uh, Jupe. Yeah, Jupe Ascend. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Jupe Sends. Jupe Sends. Um, this is so cool looking, though. It's like very H.R. Geiger. Yeah, yeah. no, of course. Yeah. yeah, and I'm sure that and the, the the production designer they worked with, Owen Patterson, I think had a lot of those influences. I'm going to look him it's up. It's like H.R. Geiger, but with like more fuckability. You know what I'm saying? H.R. <laughs> Geiger is very much about fuckability, yeah, I think. Yeah, but I could never find a hole in those xenomorphs. That was the thing. You know, they're like, they're very sexual looking, but like I couldn't find a hole. And Keanu, it's like, it's like they're having a fire sale on holes. <laughs> Enough. <laughs> I, I I beg you. Ben agree or disagree? I agree. Great. Moving on. So so yeah. So then the, he gets picked up by the crew. Yeah. Of uh, by Morpheus and the crew. Switch. And in the real, <laughs> she's there. <laughs> Switch. Uh, and you know, while in the Matrix, the computer world that we all live in yeah. currently to this day. By the way, guys, we all live in the Matrix. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. They all look like the hottest shit in the universe, and they're like perfectly airbrushed, perfectly right. dressed, all wearing sunglasses. In the real world, they're all like they all wear rags. Yeah. And they look like crap. Yeah. And they have fucking holes everywhere and like plugs in the back of their necks. Yeah, and Keanu has a uh, shaved head. Like he's just getting he the stubble head. back. He's, because he's a he baby. He just got out of the pot. Yeah, he's a baby. Yeah, they like they like rebuild his muscles. He's a little baby. Yeah. Uh, they give him a bunch of programs to learn stuff. Well, yeah. Well, first they tell him what the Matrix is, oh, yeah. which is a yeah. fake like reality created by machines after a war with artificial intelligence to use our bodies as batteries. A TLDR version, it's bullshit. <laughs> it's a bunch of bullshit. Matrix, Matrix is a bunch is a, of bullshit. Is, it's the wool pulled over our eyes. Yeah. And then uh, they start to, I mean, this movie is so, this, this is, is so the thing. Good. And this How is we what we're talking about, about yeah. where it's like the movie is just like people can jump across buildings. Got that? Great. People can like put bugs in your belly button. Got that? All right. We're yeah. moving through. Uh, yeah, you touch the mirror, you enter, you know, then it's like, sit in this chair. You're going to do a kung fu scene yeah. with Lawrence Fishburne. But there's 30 or 40 minutes before we get to the scene where Morpheus explains the Matrix. Mm -hmm. You're on board at that point because everything's so cool. Right. And then they in one scene explain What the everything. Matrix is, yeah. Perfectly. It's, it's, and they it is, sum it of all course, up. it's a tricky scene, like you say, because yeah. it is just exposition and explanation. But it's very visual because it's it takes place in this visual. weird space. It's basically yeah. like a tutorial. Yes. Like it's like it's like a video game and like Lawrence Fishburne is sitting in, in his red leather chair again. Sitting and, the shit out of that chair. And he's like, here we are in the real world. Oh, oh, look, yeah. this is the real world yeah, yeah. and this is the matrix and it's controlling you and yeah. you know and uh, yeah a million minds are were woke at the same time hey talk about being woke 420 Ben. hell yeah bro <laughs> <laughs> but then and so you're like okay crazy sci-fi get it cool yeah. 
And then they're like, okay, now we're going to be a kung fu movie. Yeah, so they put him in a chair, and uh, our our friend uh, yeah, our friend Tank, our friend Tank, Marcus Chong, has like a, a bunch of like floppy disks, mm-hmm. and he's like, "These are the programs I'm supposed to give you." But if you ask me, most of them are pretty boring. So let's just go straight to this, and just starts loading shit into his head. And then Keanu wakes up, and anyone who says Keanu's a bad actor can go eat a dick. I hate them. Yeah, because he delivers the line, "I know kung fu," like better than anyone ever could. Yeah. I, I could I just say something to that point because mm-hmm. all right he listen he's you know he's got that reputation as being a bad actor as being wooden yes but right. I will say this I think he's just bad at asking questions <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just like a flaw of his because like anytime he asks a question it's always very Keanu yeah and it's you know a little distracting sometimes I I think he's an incredible movie star mm-hmm. Uh, he's got like a presence and a charisma that you cannot teach. Right? No, that you can't, and that is, you cannot replicate. And it, it's it goes beyond just the fact that he's like, oh, fuck, it's such a good looking guy, right? Oh Jesus, yes. oh Very boy, oh boy, and, and that he moves really well. That he's like a great physical actor. Because I saw an interview with him where they were talking about John Wick, and they were like, so you do a lot of your stunts in this movie, and he's like, I don't do stunts. Stunts are done by stuntmen. Mm-hmm. I do physical acting. He has a lot of respect for stuntmen. I yes, believe. he does, yes, and he's very close to his stunt performers. On the Matrix, who then went on to direct John Wick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but go on. Uh, no, but he's like a really good physical actor. Yes. Like he sells all these sort of motions, and he's expressive in his body in a way that a lot of actors are not. Is he the most nuanced actor? Hmm. No. You know. Uh, what do you mean, Griffin? He's got a very specific. He needs the right director, and he needs the right script, and he needs a lot of the right situations. And yeah, and he needs you know he fits into certain parts well. He fits into other parts like. Jonathan Harker in Dracula the significantly most, his less well. Worst acting job. Yeah, one of the worst acting Francis jobs ever. I would yeah, say. Yeah, good. but like you know, it's hard to think of a guy who has had a couple like films as iconic as him. Yeah, I mean, the three biggest. Would you are? Would you agree? Mm, what would you say his his biggest ones? Are? He had this incredible thing where it's like he would get big, then he'd like squander it, and people would be like Keanu's out, and then he'd come back. But he wouldn't be squandering it; he'd just be doing whatever he wanted to do. And then he'd come back, and then they'd be like, "Oh, Keanu's Love back." Keanu. And then he'd like shit out again in the eyes of the public. Yeah, no, totally. And then he'd come back again like twice as strong. Yeah, because Bill- it's like you got Bill and Ted, which he should have won an Oscar and for, and his like adorable sort of early kind of cute potheady kind, you know, like Parenthood, these sorts of movies, you know, right? And first, my own private Idaho. Well. That's a great performance. Yeah. That's a great performance. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then, right, and then he kind of reinvents himself in Point Break. Yeah. As, like, action, like, square-jawed. Yeah. Kind of, like, lunatic, calm, like, weirdo who you just sort of love. Yeah. And then you got I Love You to Death. (laughs) Not a movie I've seen. He's so good at that. I'm sorry. I've never seen that. Not a movie I've seen. It's It's like this weird movie that I was obsessed with as a kid. It's really good. That's right. That's right in between Parenthood and Point Break. It's Tracy Ullman, Kevin Klein. Oh yeah, right. Tracy Ullman. Is it the right. pizza one? Yes. And but just to carry on. Sorry. All no, right. no, it's Sorry. fine. It's a, I just wanted and <laughs> yeah. speed. Speed. I got very excited. How do you it's feel huge. about speed? Great, great movie. Gotta gotta keep that bus going. Um, and then after speed, it's like Keanu, you're a movie star. Yeah. What, what do you, you want to do? What are you gonna like, do? Not do a sequel to Speed. Right. Go on tour with my band. Dogstar. Yeah, my band Dogstar, where I'm like the bassist. It's yeah. not even like his, like, he's not even like the lead guitarist yeah. and the singer. And uh, just kind of hang out. Yeah. Which, mind you, he did an earlier thing, uh, I, like, maybe before Point Break, in like the post My Own Private Idaho days. 
he they were like, what do you want to do? World is your oyster. And he's like, I want to do Hamlet in Canada. Yeah, right, right. He preferred, yeah, right. He yeah. played Hamlet in Canada. He was yeah. about the right age for it too. It's good, good choice, Keanu. Yeah. I wish I could have seen it. But he's done a lot of like weird left turn moves like that. And then this movie, it's like right. And then the, you know, so after Speed, he's kind of floating around and making mostly bad movies. Yeah. And I was just reading, by the way, the Wachowskis wanted Depp. I didn't know he this. was the first. Choice. They could have gotten him. Yeah, because Depp himself is also in kind of a weird uh, sort of valley at this yes. point in his career. He's like astronaut's wife Nick territory. Nick of time. Yeah. Um, but the studio pushed for Reeves, which is weird because it's not, so I mean, I guess they just were, it was only five years after the speed. So I guess they were just like, he's still great. Like, you know, we, he, we need a, a Reeves movie. He also might have been cheaper at that point in time, Possible, which they could sure. put the money, like he was a name and a face, but they also could have put money into the effects like, and everything. Now, like, what would you do without him in this movie? It, I mean, no one else could have played this part. It's like one of the most, just to look at him, one of the most, you know, him in the sunglasses, like is one of the most iconic, like movie figures. And there's that thing with Keanu where it's like hard to read him which is why a lot of people peg him as being stupid because there's like a vacancy there that also I think is more just a sort of like an intangible unknowable quality right and his best movie roles use that to their advantage so Bill and Ted it's like is this guy brilliant or is he a fucking idiot you know yeah and in this it's like you need someone who you can't really read right and who you can project a lot of things onto he's like Morpheus can be like this guy's the one he's the future he's gonna save us all and you go like, really? And Cypher can be like, this guy's like a fucking lost sheep. He's right. a nobody. Right. And Trinity can be like, this guy is a uh, one-way ticket to Bone Town. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This guy is a uh, dick for me to jump on. <laughs> I mean, she like, you know, she falls for him. Like she's like, this guy's hot. I think we all do. I think yeah, America all falls. For America now. falls right for him. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's all right. It's all relative. Yeah. And the Oracle sees him and she's just like, ah, you'll figure it out. It's such a good scene. She's making cookies. Yeah, so, you know, he learns Kung Fu. He has this great Kung Fu fight with Lawrence Fishburne. It's amazing. Yeah. And then he's supposed to try and do the jump across buildings, and he can't do it. He fucks up. And so There's the lady in red also comes in. There's the lady in red scene. Yeah. uh, Where he's being taught, like, the agents are everywhere, and if you're in the Matrix, like, the computer programs can find you. Yeah. Which is cool. Mm. And then with the lady with the red dress, there's that, I don't remember the character's name. Mouse. 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 He's like basically just like, hey, if you he, want to fuck. He's a fucking, <laughs> I was saying this on Twitter last night. You like Mouse, but he's like a little Gamergate freak. He's, yeah. like, he's uh, gross. Yeah. He's like, eh, designed her and she fucks you. you yeah. know, like, and, and um, Death sticks. He has, <laughs> he has, I mean, this movie is tapping into, this is the other thing, that yeah. sort of X-Files conspiracy theory shit. Yeah. Because that's what the Matrix is so good at, is that it's an explanation for all conspiracy theories. It's yeah. like, oh, the government's always there at the right time, and they're always like, oh, that's because it's the Matrix, and they're just computer programs. Like, it's, everything works It's also this. like an explanation for, like, depression. Well, that's the thing. It's like, do you, like, dislike- They do that more in Reloaded and Revolutions, yeah. but yeah. You like, do you dislike any aspect of being a human being? Right. The fucking Matrix. Yeah. Yeah, is that, it's is that co- bullshit? It's because you are dissatisfied because you know something's wrong, but you right. just don't know what. Right. And then in, in Reload and Revolutions, they do this thing where it's like, oh, there are all these exile programs, and that's like angels and, you yeah, know, monsters yeah, yeah, yeah. and aliens ghosts and, and ghosts. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, this movie has a thing where deja vu means, like, that the Matrix is being, like, fiddled with. Yeah. And you have a moment, like, of, like, it's oh, like I realize this isn't yeah. working. Yeah, it's so good. Glitch in the Matrix. <sighs> Uh, can we talk? Can we talk about the Oracle so, scene? So after yeah. training him, they awesome take him. Awesome kung fu battle, and we're yeah. told like, okay, the Oracle is some kind of magic person, and she has told Morpheus like the one, the prophecy of the one who will save us all. And we've seen so much crazy shit in this movie that the point they build up to the Oracle, you're like, who's this gonna be? 
Sure. You yeah. Know? I guess so. It's hard for me to remember now a time where I didn't know that the Oracle was like a nice, uh, like, uh, older black lady who makes cookies. But yeah, sure. But I do. I mean, I, I think that's we have to force ourselves to try to, like, remember. Right. Through fresh so. eyes. Yeah. The Oracle could be fucking anything at this point, And they just go to, like like a six floor walk up apartment. Yeah. They go to like, a, I mean, the design of this movie is perfect. And they yeah. go to this kind of cool dilapidated housing project. Basically. There are a bunch of little kids there with their parents. Yeah. Th- this is objectively one of the goofiest scenes in the movie I is love it. It, I, I do too. But I mean, you got to admit like in another movie, this would fall flat. The like sure. cute little bald kid who's bending a spoon with his mind. He's not the greatest actor. And he goes like, you know, he tells the line that, you know, you have to realize the truth. You can, know. I, can I disagree? For, there is no spoon. Can I disagree with you on one point? I think his voice just bugs me. Go on. I think he is the greatest actor. I well, think this kid might. He, I think he might literally be the greatest. Well, it turned actor. out he, that is Meryl Streep. So, right. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, they no, go no. in. You know who's a great actor is Gloria Foster. Jesus Christ. Who plays the Oracle. Okay. So and what a what a fuck up this role could be because yeah. it is a magical black lady. Yeah. Like 150 percent. Yeah. And like it is like loaded with cliche. Hmm. Because she's baking cookies, you know, like this idea of like, oh, the fountain of all knowledge. And it's like, wait, what? It's a nice old lady. Uh, reverse. But, but she's also chain smoking. She's yeah, pretty she's cynical. A, she's cool. That's she's the thing. been around she's, the block she makes a few it work. times. Yeah. I mean, Gloria Foster is like a great Broadway actress. Mm-hmm. Wachowski is very good at casting. Yeah. Uh, like smaller roles. Yeah. And really good at finding cool, talented actors. But she says the thing where it's like, don't worry about the vase. And he's like, what vase? And then knocks over a vase in the process. And he's like, how do you know? And she's like, what will really... Bake your, Bake your noodle. Bake your noodle is is. Would if, you have knocked it over if I told you? Yeah. You know what's really gonna bake your noodle? I love her. Love her. Amazing. But every single line reading she has has like five different layers to it going on, and it it is like, what's the hardest thing to convey in the world that you are the most all knowing, all powerful creature in history? Absolutely. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you look at her, and she's got this world weariness, but mm-hmm. also this kindness, like running simultaneously. That's like this person just fucking gets it and she sees through it and she very casually just goes like, you're not. Yeah. You're she, a nice boy, but you're not the one. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, maybe it's all part of a larger thing that's going on. But in the, in this, in the moment, you're like, yeah, yeah. Okay. He's just a guy. Yeah. Right. Uh, Angela and Jolie won this year for Girl Interrupted. Uh, that's correct. I would have given it to Gloria Foster. I would have given it to Catherine Keener, which is one of the greatest supporting performances of like the decade. I I think this is maybe the most astonishing one scene performance I've it's ever. It's a great seen. one scene performance it's an, for it's sure. Insane, so good. Yeah, and helps the movie, like you know, it's the hinge of the movie and like yeah. it makes everything forward. I think work. it elevates it to a whole different level. Yeah. Because um, we're, we're getting so steeped in the Matrixy stuff right now yeah, that to have a scene where someone's it. like, Ooh, just like a warm presence, like a human being, you know? Yeah. And feels so messy and like uh, specific and real. I love now, it. Now, we got to talk about another great one scene piece of work, although the actors in many other scenes, that happens like maybe 10 minutes before this. Cypher talking to Agent Smith at the steak restaurant. Just hold on one second. Oh, you just uh, oh gotta boy. slip on a new pair of pants. Hold on, you're disgusting. Okay, yeah, go on. So concurrent with Morpheus's whole thing of trying to figure out if Neo is the one. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, Neo is an anagram of one, guys. Wait, what? 
maybe he, shit, maybe he couldn't. Maybe wait, he could have just. This, so this movie is like leaden with imagery. I might have said leaden just five seconds ago. So David, it's a little dangerous for you to throw out concepts that are that big because you have to remember. <laughs> what? Yeah, ben, our, our Ben's list... been talking out so hard. Oh, right now. Ben has just been just gorging himself on a pot uh, uh, edible confections. Yeah. I know all about That's marijuana. So crazy, guys. man. Um, no, anyway. So Cipher. Yeah. Cypher, we haven't really rage. talked about him. Cypher rage. Not Cypher Rage. It's not after Earth's uh, Will Smith. No. <laughs> it is It is Joey Pants, uh-huh. who did great work in Bound. Yeah. We love him. Love him. In this, he's bald. He's got like a devilish little goatee, like a little- Like a of, long mustache and then one long strip. One long strip. One long soul patch real strip. Gr- and he is the, you know, the cynic. Yeah. Because you got, you know, you got Neo. He's he's the new guy. It's the babe in the woods. You know, you got Trinity. She's like the right-hand woman to, to Morpheus, who's the boss. You got she's Switch. She's the babe in the trench coat. You know, Switch is the, uh, you know, the comic relief. Right, the best action figure. <laughs> Just, I really wanted to make that switch joke. Switch? Uh, no, so, so Cyphers, he's kind of the like, eh, come on, this is all bullshit. <laughs> Five comedy points. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah. But right, like, the minute we meet Cypher, he's like the one who's maybe, yeah. you know, he talks to- uh, so you to one or what? Talks yeah. to Neo and he's like, man, why, oh, why didn't I take the blue pill? Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, does yeah, all yeah, that. Probably wondering that. And they hard cut. They go from that scene where he's like, I bet you're wondering right now what happens. They hard cut to him in the Matrix, yeah. talking to Agent Smith. Yeah. And eating the most beautifully photographed steak. I honestly think this is that scene is what made me like steak. I oh. may I maybe had not eaten a steak before seeing this movie. And then afterwards I like went to my dad and I was like, steak good? <laughs> steak good? Can I try some steak? It's just um you know, you always hear like it, it's tough when you're an actor, and I'm sure you know this, like yeah. to eat in a scene because then you have to eat the same thing over and over and over again. Weirdly the hardest thing. Right. And yeah. It's just probably maybe this is the one time where it wasn't true. Like Joey Pants just got to eat like eight perfectly cooked steaks. And the centerpiece of the scene is that he cuts this perfect little piece and spends most of the scene delivering it to this piece, only has to take one bite. Yeah, and he like, says like, you know, I know this isn't real, and Matrix I know is telling me that it's just telling me that it's delicious and juicy and perfectly cooked or whatever. Yeah. But I don't care anymore because uh, you know what I say to that: ignorance is bliss. It's a great, it's a great scene. And you know what else? He's got the Duke. <laughs> Ah, you got the Duke! <laughs> yeah, it's a Midnight Run reference for you guys. Jay Griffin's just nodding. Great movie. So Cypher's working against them. Right, he got and the Duke so when and they, he's trying to... Yeah. And so when they go see the Oracle, he betrays them. Yes. And so this is the sort of, this is like where it all falls apart. This is the beginning, the end of the second act. Throws the cell phone in the garbage can, lets the, lets the, the agents, agents find them. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, the agents... Kidnap Morpheus mm. in a big crazy action scene where they like have to escape through the walls, and then Morpheus has this big dirty fight in a like bathroom with Agent Smith. Yeah, that is awesome. And a lot of our best friends get killed. Uh, you know, uh, Cipher plugs back into the real world. Yeah, and he starts unplugging people, and it kills them. That's how yep. Apoc goes. Mouse. Uh, Mouse gets shot to pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the, he's the first to go. I think the Wachowskis are like, I know you think this guy's cute, but he's a little gross, and we're going to kill him off first. Our dearly departed Switch. Switch, her, you remember her last lines? Not like this. Not like this. Yeah. Not like this. I, Not is like she like this. Danish or something? What is that woman? I think she's Australian. I looked her up. Her voice is very odd in the phone. Belinda though. McClory. Yeah, because she has like a couple lines, because she also yeah. has that like, our way or the highway or yeah. whatever. Like, Not like this. Yeah, she's Australian. I Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so they all get unplugged. Dozer gets uh, shot and uh, in the real ship. 
They maybe imply Cipher kills him. They maybe imply that uh, a, a switch and Apoc had a thing. No, they're they're a couple. They're a couple. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because she's so upset when Apoc dies. L- As is everybody. I, I mean, the audience is not a dry eye. I don't accept that. Uh, <laughs> I don't accept that. <laughs> not Apoc. I don't accept that characters are dating unless I see them fuck on screen. And it's unsimulated. <laughs> uh, anyway, should we leave that in? Or? <laughs> yeah, leave that in. <laughs> okay. Uh, and so Cypher kills the two guys in the ship, Dozer and Tank. Except yeah. it turns out he doesn't. You know, he's because he's about to unplug Neo. Right. And he's like, "All right, if he's really the one, something's going to happen to stop me from doing this." Oh, he also gives the whole monologue to Trinity, where he explains that he was in love with her. Yeah, he does. It's really, again, just great Joey Pants, because he's delivering it to sleeping people. Yeah. He's delivering it to a sleeping Trinity, and they're yeah. cutting to Trinity on the phone, but, like, he, like, jumps on her, on her like, uh, her sleeping body, and he, like, delivers it to her face. It's yeah. great. So what you're saying is, it's a fine pair of pants. It's a fine pair of Italian pant. Uh, and then, yeah, they're, they're going to unplug Neo. And he's like, and he literally is like, hey, man, if Neo's the hero of this movie, then I can't do this, about. can yeah, I? Yeah. And then Tank shows up and kills Cypher. It's great. Yeah. Cypher goes, no, I don't believe it. I can't do him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't believe it. Yeah. You got the doke. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's a good scene. It's a great scene. He gets sh- The gun is weird. It's like an engineering gun or something. It like shoots yeah. electricity. Yeah, it's, it's got cool. like a blue bolt of stuff. It makes a cool noise. You know what else Could is- I- Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, you know what else is cool? The Matrix? The Matrix. <laughs> Everything about it. Uh, ben, what were you going to say? Well, I-, I don't know if we've really touched upon too much, but their ship- and just like oh the, the Nebuchadnezzar are you talking about that fucking Nebuchadnezzar though yeah I I love the like the set design of that and uh-huh. like so I think cool. it's so cool that they justify the future world that all the humans are underground they kind of reference the city that exists city of Zion's the last unplugged city yeah they don't we don't see it but we hear about it it's like in the deep in the core of the earth oh and Tank and Dozer are like yeah, they pure are, human they've never they been plugged plug in they can't plug in because yeah. they are born in Zion but yeah. it's all that little stuff that's just like you don't need much of it it's just no. like enough information it's so great. I it fucking is. love this movie. It's so good. And we and as you're saying cool, we should talk about how cool everyone looks in, so in, yeah, the, in, in the Matrix. It's uh, your digitalized self or whatever, yeah. as Morpheus puts it, where you just look like a you look badass. Perfect. You look perfect. Yeah. It's uh, a great excuse for them to all look perfect to all look the like time. Movie stars. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Nebuchadnezzar also looks like like a, a, what another spaceship would shit out. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. It's this weird like <laughs> misshapen turd it's with like a all turd. these. It's it's engines of these weird little pads all right. over it that like zap out electricity. It looks like the Millennium Falcon's doo doo. <laughs> yeah, it's a good. That's a good metaphor. Yeah, yeah. kind of looks like a. I don't know, it looks like some sort of tool like only like a plumber would have where he'd be like, oh, for this you need it. He like, pulls out <laughs> yeah. like this weird misshapen yeah. hammer. We're gonna, okay, we're going to have to take a Nebuchadnezzar <laughs> to this one. Nebuchadnezzar, of course, is uh, the like the god of dreams, right? From, uh, I forget, which mythology? Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, of course, well, is a- also uh, the most fun word to say. It's a fun word to say. No, right. He, no, Nebuchadnezzar is, is like an ancient king of Babylon, right? Okay. I think there's something to do with dreams, though. Yeah. Maybe it's Morpheus who's the god of dreams. That's what I'm mixing up there. Yeah. So Morpheus is kidnapped. 
Morpheus is kidnapped by the agents. Trinity and Neo are back she and in Neo the real get world. get home with yeah. Tank. Yeah. And they are like, we have to kill Morpheus because he could give up the secrets of Zion. He could get, you know, they're going to torture him. We have a skeleton crew now. It's a tight crew of three and, trying to get one. And P.S., like the Oracle told Neo, like, Morpheus is crazy. He's really devoted and he's going to sacrifice himself to save you. He, he won't He won't think twice about yeah, it. Yeah, she says poor so Morpheus. Neo's got a yeah. lot of guilt because he's like, I'm not the one. This isn't worth it. Right. So, so he, do do I like, die and in. let him? Yeah, right. So they say we're gonna need guns, lots of guns. And boy, do they get them! Yeah, and then they, yeah, and then so like, and then it's so it's that, and then it's basically the the action happens. I yeah. mean, there's been a, lots of action. Talk about a movie that knows how to dole out action at like mm-hmm. perfect beats. Yeah, like not like say Batman versus Superman, where it's like. Oh, fun two, opening two minutes, hour and a half of nothing, and then all the actions at the end, you know. What are you talking about nothing? Holly Hunter drinks urine. There's a lot of stuff going on in that movie. Bleh. Um. Hope you guys all enjoyed the uh, bonus episode, by the way. Yeah. Uh, talk about negative influence of The Matrix. Uh, stupidly, uh, this film was blamed for the Columbine killings. Oh, because they were like wearing trench coats they were and shit. Wearing trench coats, and they had a bunch of guns, and they thought it like fetishized this thing, right? Wait, is that true? No, yeah. Columbine was before the Matrix. Columbine happened April nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, April twentieth. Thank you. Yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah. so it's like right before. Yeah, which like makes it all the more ridiculous. Yeah, but whatever. Here's we, another Columbine's thing. a huge bummer, guys. Yeah, so. Columbine fucking sucks. I'll go on the record saying I don't like Columbine, right? The town, but also I thought the shootings were bad. Um. I uh, I have always had a gripe with this sort of thing. I oh, think sure. it's like a fundamental problem in no, our it's, country. It's, it's cheap. It's uh, yeah. Well, it's also fucking how we talk about like mental health. You know, where it's like if someone wants to do that, there's a bigger problem here that we're not taking care of because we stigmatize mental health. Sure, sure. But because guess what? Like we saw the Matrix and we didn't shoot people. Oh. Well, yeah. No, no. Okay, no, no, I no, saw no. the Matrix and <laughs> no, I didn't I'm shoot kidding. people. It's a terrible thing to kid about. No, but you know what I'm saying, like. Okay, yes, maybe they got the idea from that movie, but also if you see a movie and go, oh, I should do that, then you're someone who needs help. Okay, let's move on. Yes, please. Yes, please. Jesus Christ. Uh, I I mean, if you you feel like you want to shoot someone, get help, guys. Don't do it. Yeah. That's our message on Blank Check Pod. But I also, I mean, it's fascinating. No, no more. It is fascinating that this film spawns the red pill movement. Yeah, a lot of bad things. Yeah. It also spawned uh, the great Jet Li movie, The One. Yeah. No, I mean, but like a lot of that, you know, it made martial yeah. arts kind of like a hip thing to have in a Hollywood movie. Again. Yeah. After like the sort of first wave of that, which I guess was sort of the Bruce Lee era. Also, mm. uh, shooting the fight scenes, I feel like it was really influential. Yes. The way they shot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the bullet time thing was a game the bullet changer. time thing was For crazy. Sure. For sure. Then, you know, this whole action scene plays out where they have to break into an office building, like a crazy big tower mm-hmm. to get Morpheus back. It's a tower heist. It's a it's a tower it's a classic tower heist situation. Yeah, Casey you know, just there, like yeah, you know, fifth Gabriel Sidibe, yeah. yeah. And Michael Pena. Do you want to keep naming the cast of Tower Heist? Eddie Murphy, Ben Stiller, Alan Alda, Tay Leone. Um <laughs> is, that, is that all of them? Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick, right, that's who yeah, I was thinking. I think that's um all the above the line, yeah. above the title players. Anyway, uh so you know, there's this I mean when I was 13, I just thought it was the coolest thing in the world. He walks through the metal detector. Yeah. And he like, they're like, we need to, do you have any loose change? And he like opens his coat and he's covered in guns. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It's a little creepy. Yeah. When you think about it the wrong way. Yeah. You know, like you're, you've got Columbine in my head now for sure. Yeah. But when I was just so cool. As a movie, it's a cool moment. 
I remember uh, they've also set up at this point that it's not real. Like it's like a well, fucking. Well, that's the interesting thing about it because, because they the murder with guards. impunity. Yeah, but I think it is this idea of like, look, the Matrix is kind of fake. It's yeah. sort of it's weird, tricky territory. They don't get into it at all. Yeah, I mean, there's an interesting thing they keep like, on doing. What happens doing. when you die in the Matrix? Do you just die? You do. Yeah, well, they say that. You yes. do. They say that, and they show that. But it's like you're just a slave to a digital world, so who cares? I don't know. There is an interesting thing they keep on doing in the film where, like, they'll shoot an agent, and then after they die, they'll turn back into another person. Like, who the agent dead. took over their body. Right, right, right. Um, I do like that they cut to that. Like, it totally. makes it dark, but yeah, they're yeah, also yeah. not pretending like there aren't consequences to their actions. Sure. No, and agreed. They, I agree. And they do explain that uh, when the, with the dead, they turn them into black goo that feed babies. Yeah. Uh, yes, they do. They liquefy yeah. the dead. Yeah. Just to feed to the living. Out. Yep. Uh, they never explain how where the babies come from, and I always wondered about that. But well, you stick a penis in a vagina, and then a bunch of cum boy, oh goes boy. into oh, an egg. Oh, my then... God. Into a bag? Cum goes into an egg. You, oh, I thought you said a bag. <laughs> you make eggs a la cum. You haven't heard about eggs a la cum? It's a really good baby recipe. Oh, my God. Um, okay. It's getting a little hot in here. Um, yeah, it's getting really hot. Yeah. <laughs> now it's getting hot in here, too. Eggs a la cum. Wait, this action scene. The action scene's just cool. I remember yeah. uh, watching some crappy I Love the 90s type thing a million mm-hmm. years ago on the BBC or whatever. Yeah. And Simon Pegg. Uh, the actor who, you know, spaced uh-huh. his great show, ripped off the Matrix a bunch, uh, talking about how cool it is that they, like, they shoot people with their guns, and then they just drop the guns, because yeah. they have more guns. And yeah, it's they like, don't need Whereas Simon Pegg is like, keep the guns! Like, yeah. that's a good gun! You just yeah. shot someone with it! And it's like, no, 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 they've got more guns. We're in the Matrix. Yeah. And they do all this cool bullet time stuff. It's, I don't know, how do you, again, this is now we're hung it's up, it's like, the Matrix is great. Yeah. There is no spoon, they blow up an elevator. Yeah. They parody that scene from Scary Movie. I don't even know what you're talking about. I was trying to do a backwards joke. I know, I get it, but I don't even know which scene it is. There's a scene where the killer throws a knife at Anna Ferris, and then she goes into bullet time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oof. That was a backwards joke. Mm-hmm. Classic backwards joke. And then parallel to this, you've got, again, Hugo Weaving just having so much fun chewing scenery, yeah. delivering monologues to uh, Lawrence Fishburne's like drugged corpse of a body, you know. And it's interesting, as I said this, I realized there's a lot of that in this movie. There is a lot of one-way monologuing. Yeah. And it shouldn't work. No. It really shouldn't work. No. Because you've got Morpheus talking to Neo about the Matrix. You've got Smith talking to Morpheus about how he hates the Matrix. He hates people. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, Cypher. You know, like, it, it shouldn't work, but it totally works. Yeah, this movie works. <laughs> uh, you said last week we were talking about Bill Pope and his work on Bound. And yep. you said like he's one of the most underrated DPs. And totally. the fact that he's never nominated for an Oscar is insane. It's an outrage. It's crazy he wasn't nominated for this. Well, so that's I, I heard what you were saying last week and still watching this movie was like, well, he must have. Who beat him for the Oscar that now, year? Conrad he, Hall won for American Beauty, which is a great piece of cinematography. And it was and a, a posthumous work. Uh, yeah, no, no, that was Road to Perdition. Oh, you're right. Yes. But, you know, it was, he was like an old hand and it was cool that yeah. he was like. Uh, but the other nominees that year, let's do it. Yeah, let's do this. These are all really good nominations. He wasn't even fucking nominated. No. Like, I mean, A, it's an incredible piece of work, and B, it's one of the most influential, oh, most totally, influentially totally. shot films. Yeah. You've got Dante Spinotti's work on The Insider, which is phenomenal. Yeah, agreed. On Michael Mann's The Insider. You have Emmanuel Lubezki, Chivo himself. 
This might have been his first nomination Sleepy for Sleepy Hollow, which is a gorgeously photographed movie. Uh, an incredible looking film, yeah. Uh, you have Robert Richardson, uh, you know, Quentin Tarantino, Martin yeah. Scorsese collaborator, for Snow Falling on Cedars, which is that weird, rare solo cinematography nomination at the Oscars. Gorgeous yeah. movie. Yeah. Not a good movie. Boring as shit. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, you know, who's that? Uh, Ethan Hawke, uh, yeah. Scott Hicks movie. Not a good movie. That's the best joke in Horrible Bosses, though. <laughs> yeah, the Jamie Foxx rented. Pirated. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's Probably what he got arrested for. Yeah, okay. So, and then you have Roger Pratt's work, I mean, Conrad Hall for American Beauty's winner. Roger Pratt's work on the end of the affair. You could have dropped Pratt I or, dropped. or Richardson. Yeah, that's what I would have done. Uh, I mean, you know, it's crazy that he wasn't nominated. Yeah, and let's talk about, like, uh, Best Picture and Best Director, okay? Because these are categories where Matrix should have been nominated and Wachowski should have been nominated. And Screenplay, right? So for Best Picture, I believe that year we have The Insider. Deserves to be in there. 100%. Right? Uh, we have The Sixth Sense. We both obviously back up that decision. I wouldn't nominate it, but it's a good movie, it's, and it's, I get it. I, I don't protest the nomination. I get it. I get it. Uh, we have The Cider House Rules. Kick, kick that That's right. the Miramax uh, entry. Uh, Lassie Halstrom. We have The Green Mile. Uh, come, on, come on, guys. Get the fuck out of here. And then the fifth one is American Beauty, right? Correct. Yeah, so, you know, there's there's room to put The Matrix in there. Yeah, I mean, here's some movies that came out in 99. Eyes Wide Shut. Toy Story 2. The Iron Giant. Toy Story 2. Rosetta, the Dardenne's movie, which is incredible. Toy Story 2. The Blair Witch Project. Toy Story 2. Being Dose. John Malkovich. Toy Story 2. Princess Mononoke. Toy Story 2. Galaxy Quest. Toy American Story Movie. Toy Story Three 2. Kings. Election. Toy Story 2. All About My Mother. Office Space. 2. Bringing Out the Dead. Magnolia. Toy Fight Story Club. 2. Doug's first movie. The Talented Mr. Ripley, Toy Summer Story of 2. Sam. It's crazy how many big movies. It's a great year. It's a great year for film, and you have like two like real basic movies nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, even if you know we dislike American Beauty now, there's a big difference between American Beauty getting nominated and like fucking Cider House Rules being nominated. No, of course. I mean, it's crazy that they didn't nominate The Matrix, but of course then it's also not crazy at all because it was like a weird sci-fi movie. And it had also come out in March, which is, yeah. you know. Uh, best Director, I, I feel like they got much closer to getting right because they go Michael Mann, M. Night Shyamalan, uh, Sam Mendes. Yeah. Then they nominate Spike Jones Correct. for being John Malkovich, which is a cool nomination. Mm -hmm. And then the fifth person is... Actually, a good question because I think it might be Lassie Hallstrom. Was it? Jesus Christ. Because they didn't nominate Darabont. Man, Shyamalan, Mendes, Jones. You looking it up? The Wi-Fi's bad. Oh, okay. Yeah. Whatever. They should have put the Wachowskis in there. Uh, also, Gloria Stewart should have been nominated. Also, Joey Pan should have been nominated. Also, they should have given Keanu Reeves a Lifetime Achievement Award. <laughs> I will find that. I'm just like... Excellence in being Keanu. Uh, the end of the film, they... Uh, Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. No, oh, they, they escape. They get Morpheus. Morpheus breaks out of chains. So many cool things. Yeah. They fucking have a helicopter and they like shoot everyone to death with a big minigun. Right. They do the scary movie scene and then Morpheus Stop. jumps. <laughs> backwards joke. It's a backwards joke. Yeah. He jumps and he catches Keanu, you know. They, yeah. They, and they, then they're hanging from the helicopter and then they go down to a subway station and they're like, I think we're all good. Let's all go yeah, back in. Yeah, they get Trinity and Morpheus out. And yeah. And then Keanu has another, and also wait, Keanu has that showdown with the one agent where he shoots the guns at him and the agent just goes like, oh, it becomes like six bodies at the same oh, time. So cool. Yeah. And then the agent tries to shoot Morpheus and Morpheus like almost dodges the bullets himself with the, yeah. the like, most iconic bullet time where he's. Yeah. Where it's literally the bullets like, flying by. Yeah. Where he's yeah. like laying down almost. Yeah. yeah. 
And uh, yeah, Lasse Alstrom was the fifth. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh boy! Um, and uh, they think they're in the clear, and then, and then uh, there's Agent one Smith last amazing. Yeah. Well, no, there's like more than one because yeah, he has a big fight with Agent Smith in the subway train. Dies. They kill him. Well, no. Then there's a big chase. Oh right. Yeah. And then Agent Smith shoots him to death. Yeah. And then he's dead, like Jesus died, our savior. Ugh! I knew this was gonna come. Well, up. I mean, it's it's very you know yeah. talking about bad things that the Matrix inspired. Jeez. Do you know that Christianity didn't exist before the Matrix? Of course. I, of course I knew People that. took all the wrong lessons from the Matrix. <laughs> um, and he, then he wakes up because yeah. Trinity gives him a little kiss, which doesn't happen in uh, in, uh, in the Bible. The Bible. <laughs> yeah. I know. The Bible needed like one more pass. I feel like it was so close <laughs> to being like, it's a good book, but it's not great. You want to talk about saying? blank checks. I, I will say yeah. that, and we'll talk about the Matrix Reloaded later, uh-huh. but- you know, the core point of what's going on in the Matrix, I just want to say, I'm so nerdy about the Matrix, yeah. is that Neo has fallen in love with a person, whereas the one is supposed to fall in love with humanity. Yeah. Because the one will want to save humanity. Right. So it's crucial that he is revived by one person. Anyway, doesn't matter. That's not in this movie. So let's move on. Cool. Uh, she gives a great speech about how the Oracle told her She'd that she would fall in love, in love with, the, with one. the one, so she knows that he can't be dead because she's in love with him. So, you know, you've got this this general sense that the Oracle is pulling everyone's strings. Yeah. You know, like, it's yeah. it's all very vague, but she's telling Morpheus, go look for the one. She's telling Trinity, you're going to find the one, but she's not telling Mio, you are the one, because, of course, he's got to figure that out for himself for the whole magic to work. Right. You know, then the whole crazy Shazam. He's got be- to become a ghost. Yeah, the Holy like Cipher Ghost. Rage. No. Yes. <laughs> Cipher is like uh like Judas. Mm. Yeah. I didn't know. Anyway, it's all very yeah. He wakes up and he jumps into Agent Smith. It's pretty cool. Yeah, he jumps inside that body. And then he blows him up from the inside. Yep. And then he's he's just the one. Oh, then and then he the, can see the, the great, matrix. There's the great fucking shot too where like Agent Smith is doing kung fu moves on him and yeah. Keanu isn't even flinching and right. he's just holding and his arms slow out. Slow motion, he's just like yeah. and he stops the bullets with his hand, yeah. all that stuff. That's great. He does great. like four of the coolest things that anyone's it's, ever done you're in you're a just movie. Like, ah, ah, yeah, ah. Oh, this is good, cool. I'm having a fun time. And then he blows him up from the inside. Yeah. And then he can see the matrix, like he can see the world's code essentially. Yeah. You know and then like movie over uh they celebrate they he stops the sentinels we forgot to mention the sentinels sentinels are like really oh, well, cool no, like uh, they're robot squid squid yeah that, that yeah. he doesn't stop them uh, uh morpheus does that, right they just does. needed him to come they back they need him to come back yeah, so they can yeah, yeah. shoot the uh, emp and then the final moment is like a voiceover of him on the phone telling you know he's got his cool monologue at the end of like you know things are about to change this and that and he walks out of a phone booth and he flies into the sky like superman while rage against the machine plays yeah Dun it, dun it. It's great. Yeah. Uh, good movie. Would watch again. Yeah. It's about two hours, 15 minutes. I, I mean, it flies by. A good runtime. Maybe my favorite runtime. Uh, We're talking RTs. So now let's, uh, let's talk about it. It was a hit. Uh, yeah. People uh, went to see it and they paid money to go see it in theaters. So it's first weekend. Can you tell me the top five in April for the April 2nd weekend, 1999. Well, I know that 10 Things I Hate About You opened that weekend. Number two. That's number two. Number three, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Because I think I saw two of the three films released that weekend. The Matrix was the one I didn't see. This Correct. tells you a There's lot f- about what my interests were at this time. Correct. F- uh, f- five movies 
Yeah, five movies came out this this weekend. Okay, I think three I, major. I think was there another comedy in the top five? Yeah, was it the Out of Towners? Correct. I saw that with my mom. Yeah, with Steve Martin and Goldie Hawn. Yeah, and, and John Cleese. Yeah. Not good. No, bad movie. Um, but so yeah, uh, Ten Things and Out of Towners both make about eight mil. Matrix, uh, no, Matrix collects thirty seven mil. Okay, Ten Things makes eleven point five over the longer weekend. It's not a good number. And uh, Out of Towners makes eight. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's one through three, right? In order. Uh, yeah. Can you do number four? Yeah, you got number three. Okay, number four. Ten Things ends up with a total gross of thirty eight mil. Yeah, that's you know it was it was very much a long lasting sort of. Hey, you know, I just looked something up the other day. Do you know what the final domestic total was on Zoolander 2? What? $28 million. Ugh. That's insane Ugh. how low that is, Probably costs right? a lot more than that, right? Yep. I mean, that movie was a uh, bomb. I didn't see it. Um, so, number four. Give me a hint. Uh, it's a comedy. Uh, it's in its second week of... No, it's in... It, whew, I'm sorry. It's in its fifth week of release. Interesting. Falls from number two to number four. It's made 80 mil at this point, which is its budget. I know what it is. Wow. Analyze this. Correct. Because I was thinking, what's on track to make 100? Yeah. Oh, it makes you know? 100, yeah. I think it makes 100. I think it cracks 100. Yeah, I remember 106. Lisa Kudrow hosts the MTV Movie Awards that year, mm-hmm. and she the opening is a parody of Austin Powers' The Spy Who Shagged Me. Okay. Dr. Evil reveals himself to be Billy Crystal, and she's like, Billy, we just crossed 100 million. Oh, I remember that. That's funny. I remember that very thing. Yeah. Did you want, do you watch Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? Uh, I haven't watched this season yet. Yeah. You're talking about Unbreakable. Unbreakable. Fuck you guys. Uh, and number five, falling from number one in its third week of release. Okay, give me a hint. It's a, it's a weird fucking movie. It's a, it's a, a nominally a romantic comedy, but very dark for a boring rom-com. Interesting. It's a weird. A strange movie. Mora Tierney's in it. The great Mora. Mora T. Was it like an Oscar type movie? No. More attorneys, but she's is she top she's, bill? No, no, she's like the third or fourth. It's a weird, dark, romantic Ugh. comedy. It had been number one. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, yeah, don't no, start it had, this. it had, it had been number one. Uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't know what else to tell you, so I'm just gonna. What's, it, what's the total right now? What's the domestic total as of this? Um, weekend, thirty-six million dollars. Interesting. And so it's fourth week of release. Third. Third. Give me one more hint. And ben then Affleck's talk. in it. Oh, Forces of Nature. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was a weird movie. And that was number two, number yeah. one for like two weekends in a row or something? It was I like guess so. Fairly I, successful. I, I, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, Affleck was hot back then. He was he was hot. It was the year after Armageddon. He was yeah. a hot guy. And we, Bullock was hot, you know. We were Armageddon it on with Ben, our love affair with Ben. But I mean, was, that's a weird movie, right? That's a very weird movie. Yeah, it's an odd one. Yeah. It's kind of that that weird late nineties where the rom coms get dark, like bounce. Yeah. Yeah, I also remember them being like Ben and Sandy. They might be the new. Like I remember them like threatening to make four more Affleck and Bullock oh, movies. Oh no, thank you. Yeah, no, no more of that. Some other movies uh, floating around. Ed TV, the great Ed TV, which I adore, uh, which predicted all reality television uh, uh-huh. almost exactly, which is crazy. And also has a long monologue devoted to uh, Rob Reiner's a penis implant. Uh, right at implant. the end, that's yeah. the climactic. That's like the climax of the movie. Yeah, is Ellen DeGeneres talking about Rob Reiner's dick? Yeah, uh, you've got uh, no. It's it's McConaughey mostly talking about. Yeah. Uh, Ed TV, one of the great McConaughey performances. I see it again. Uh, yeah. Great, yeah. That's uh, the True Detective prequel, right? 
Correct. Yeah, yeah. no, it yeah. is. And uh, Shakespeare in Love, uh, Life is Beautiful, some of the Oscar leftovers. You got Doug's first movie in there as you were. Uh, Good pull. Uh, Baby Geniuses, one of the worst films ever made. Saw that in theaters. Uh, and uh, just the other two new releases, which are both indie, you know, tiny, like t- six uh-huh. screen releases. Cookie's Fortune, the Robert Altman movie. Oh. And The Dream Life of Angels. <laughs> so. I don't know if I've ever even heard of The Dream Life of Angels. Uh, it's a tiny little indie movie. Okay. Uh, well, made a lot anyway, of money. yeah. So you know, and as we said, it just it never went away. Yeah, you know, weekend number two, it made twenty two point five mil. Like you know, it just it was one of those phenomenons. Here's the thing I remember distinctly. Uh, I was a big Entertainment Weekly reader growing up. Um, Entertainment Weekly would usually like bet their money on what was going to be the biggest movie coming out that weekend, and that would be the cover story. Like, here's the biggest film, mm-hmm. The Matrix. Even though Entertainment Weekly was owned by Warner Brothers, they just like didn't anticipate it. And so the Matrix was the cover of like week five right, of its release. It's like, oh, the big, you know, surprise we have to catch of up the summer. With it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, it was that thing where it was like no one really, I mean, other than the company that manufactured Switch action figures and clearly anticipated the amount of love the film was going to get, I, uh, people weren't ready for what it was going to be. At the very least, they'd be like, that oh, might be a little hit as just like an action movie. Right. But it uh, it changed the game. I remember like, but I remember like the TV spots for it. I was in America, I think, when it was around being it was being advertised. Uh-huh. I remember, there's this, there was this spot that was just like, it was a shot of like one of the people turning into an agent. You know that weird thing where their face kind of presses yeah. into a new person's face, mm-hmm. and then like a shot of someone jumping over a building, and then Keanu just going whoa. And it just saying The Matrix. And I was just like, what is this movie? I yeah. gotta see this. Yeah. What is this fucking crazy movie? But that's a that's a confident advertising campaign, oh. too. That's like, we'll trust that you are curious enough that you'll come in with us telling you nothing. Can I tell you some trivia? Uh-huh. Okay, so Warner Brothers balked at the budget, gave him 10 mil, and they used it to, apparently, this is all IMDb, so who knows, they used it to shoot the opening. You know, all the stuff with Trinity and stuff. Okay. And showed that to Warner Brothers, and Warner Brothers was like, okay, okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Cool, cool. Uh, uh, you know, Yue Mo Ping, the like, classic Wu Ping, I, I don't, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the classic uh, action choreographer refused. He asked for an exorbitant amount of money, and they were like, fine. And he was like, I really don't want to do this movie. All right, I have to have total creative control over all fights. And they were like, fine. And he was like, all right, I guess I'll, you know, he kept making crazy demands, and they were like, we want you. Cool. Um, Can I tell you guys about the influence of this movie on me? Please. Okay, so I was a bit of a prankster. What? I can't believe that. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I love making prank phone calls. Yeah. And so this- Like a crank yanker? Sort of a crank yanker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, this movie influenced me. Uh, let's say I developed a particular bit where I would call strangers and I would basically play- the Morpheus kind of role. <laughs> okay, okay. And I did it a lot. Uh, you know, again, definitely was under the influence. Token that green. The wacky tobacco? Yep. But uh, me and my, my friends would hang out and we would call people and just be like, is this John Smith? John, we've been watching you. And just like, yeah, and they'd usually hang up. Sometimes you get maybe an old person that would stay on the line because they were lonely. Well, that's, that's a sad note to end on, Ben. Yep. Just wanted to share that with you guys. Uh, thanks, Ben. I'm trying to see if uh, if there's any other cool. Ooh, okay. Belinda McClory, who plays Switch. Hey, if we were doing a ten episode miniseries about the Matrix, I feel like there'd be a lot of Switch, like yep. Switch material. She would be our Gragra. Yeah, yeah, she's like a Gragra or a TC14. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Switch was going to originally going to be played by androgynous actors, a male actor in the Matrix and a female actor in the real world. Hence very, the name Switch. Very interesting. Warner Brothers said no. <laughs> yeah. So McClory was going to just play the female version, like right. the. Uh, but like there, that's the kind of ideas that like you know the Wachowskis are sort of fucking around with. But she is a very androgynous performer. No, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and and, and a lot. I mean, so is Trinity. Yeah. So is Keanu. Sort of. You know, everyone's kind yeah, of. Keanu's a, got pretty feminine features. I mean, he's like a, yeah, he's a pretty pretty man. Um, do you have any more uh, trivia facts there? Because I'm I'm getting something here in my earpiece. No, 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 not just yet, not just yet. Uh, let's see. Carrie Ann Moss had never seen a movie before that she was in. Before she watched this, oh, one. I thought the fact was going to be she had never seen a movie. She'd period. never seen a movie before. She showed up on set and she was like, "What? What is this we're doing here? Is this uh, like a book?" Yeah. Uh, by the end, by the middle of 2002, the bullet time sequence had been spoofed in over 20 different movies. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Oh boy. I mean, like there was Max Payne, which is a video game in which you could enter bullet time. Like that was the yeah. whole premise of the game. You had to get enough pills. You could go like. Yeah, you know, and like dive around shooting people. Like that's how cool bullet time was. The coolest. Um yeah, there's a oh, this trivia page is a fucking mile long. Yeah, not worth doing. Oh, the other crucial thing that is that this movie used a lot of the sets of Dark City and filmed oh. in the same place. Yeah, cuz Australia. Sydney. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and like the, the I think borrowed a lot of the designers from Dark City and stuff like that. So wait. I don't know. David, excuse me. Yeah, I'm, go I'm ahead. Getting something here in my earpiece. Was mm-hmm. it? That's what I thought it was. It's time for a burger report. Burger report. Ben, last oh, week you teased. I haven't even eaten a burger in the last uh, week. I'll say or so. I went to three burger places in the last week. Zero famos. Damn it. I'm putting in the legwork. Famos, you know, just get out there. Eat a burger. Yeah, Help so, me out. So, Ben, who did you tease last week? John Mayer. John Mayer. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard a story about him being a jerk. Oh, man. All right. So I'm trying to remember the particular event that he was attending because there were a bunch of famous. Um, I feel like it was a Jennifer Aniston film. Um, he was dating her for a while. Yeah. He was. He was. He was. Yeah. So this is probably around then. I, I'm going to try to give like a year so maybe you guys could figure out the film. I'm okay. going to say this was probably 2000 and. 10, I think, sounds about right. Maybe Horrible Bosses? Yeah, it might have been the first mm, Horrible Bosses. Maybe it's like a few years, then like maybe it's like 2009. Uh, Correct, it was 11. So The Bounty Hunter with Gerard Butler? It was definitely or some... Or was it The Switch? With uh, where uh, Jason, Justin Bateman, J- Justin Jason Bateman, Bateman yeah. uh, uh, impregnates her against her will? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or, or uh, there's, I believe, the 2009 film Love Happens with uh, Two-Face? Literally never heard of that movie. Yeah, it's. I think it's like a movie like that. Like maybe it is Love Happens. I think it's Love Happens. But so they had this like kind of like little VIP party, and so uh, just to throw out some names of people who were there, uh, Jennifer Aniston was there. Okay. Um, uh, uh, actually, uh, Dave Matthews was there. All right, wow. So a real like high uh, white guitar douchebag quotient. Yeah, yeah. He got very drunk on tequila. Like, very, very drunk. Like, cool. he basically was just like, leave the bottle, man, and was, like, kind of rude and got wasted. But I thought that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who else was there? Who else was there? Oh, fuck. Well, uh, I think Chris Rock. I mean, honestly, there's there. I have so many of these stories, they all kind of blend can in I, with each can other. Can I wager? I think I've cracked what movie this is. Okay. Was this perhaps Just Go With It? 
the Adam Sandler film in which Dave oh, Matthews appears. Yes, oh, yes that's point. what this is. That was 2011. And, okay, and, so maybe it was the Rat Party yeah, or something. And Rock is uh, obviously a uh, a Happy Madison crony. Yeah, right. He's yeah. A, he, he'll he'll be at any yeah. Sandler party. So anyway, uh, with all that said, this was like happening probably at like 10 o'clock when like people were showing up. John Mayer shows up like a couple hours early, okay? That's and he's weird. just hanging out at the bar, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And he, he gets a, a burger. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, okay. And he's just hitting on women the whole time. What a creep. And I'm pretty sure, yeah, like maybe him and Jen were just friends, but it was super gross. And like he even was like hitting on some of the people on the staff. Allegedly, I always have to say this now. Allegedly, that was what was happening yes. with John Mayer. And um, he was just a total. Trying to find exactly when he dated bro. Jennifer. Yeah, I remember him like, being her day to the Oscars one year. Yeah, it's like the problem is if you Google it, it's just lots of articles that are like John Mayer's a jerk to Jennifer Aniston. Or, yeah, he said a mean thing in an interview. Did he like the burger though, Ben? It seems like around early 2011. Okay. So, you know, it's the right time. The right time. Did he like the burger? He did like the burger. Oh my god. It's a good God. burger. It's, it's a, a fucking burger. really good burger. Well, that's been the burger report as Great always. Job. Uh if you have any burger reports of your own, yeah, uh, tweet feel free us. to tweet us, email us. Uh open invitation to all. I I'm going to keep on hitting up burger joints. Hopefully I'll I'll get a good scoop one of these days. You know, I love Famos and uh yeah. You love it's what everyone knows about you is that you love Famos. I love Famos. Um, oh, can I just add one thing? Please. Uh, I had a, a brief interaction with Jennifer Aniston, and she called me cute. Ben. She ben. said, yeah, oh, you cutie, and like kind of touched my arm a little bit. Ben. So What a sweetheart. <sighs> just named you know. People Magazine's most beautiful person this year. Ben. Yeah? Jennifer Aniston called you a cutie? Well, he she, is a cutie. Yeah, of course he's a cutie. He's our little cutie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wait, uh-oh. Do what? I smell... Do I smell a... Another nickname coming on. Oh. Hmm. The cutie? Mm. Little cutie? Please don't. Please no, I don't, don't. think so. It's nothing sticking. Nothing, nothing sticking. sticking. It's less of a nickname and more just a, a title. You're a, cu- you're a cutie. All right. Great. Well. You're a real cutie. Probably shouldn't have shared that. All right. No, no. On. It was great. So. The cute tricks? Enough. Basta. <laughs> the cute tricks. <laughs> Thank you. So, The Matrix. So it goes on to be kind of a big influence. Yeah, and they make, uh, they make two sequels, and we'll be covering those the next two episodes of the show. Which is very exciting. Now, I love the two sequels, but I will admit I hated them when I saw them. I hated them when I saw them, and I have not seen either one since they came out. And I was just thinking about this, because the sequels have such a bad reputation mm-hmm. to this day that even I think now in today's Hollywood culture of like, hey, if it's a thing, give it a sequel, give it a reboot, whatever, like let's do another one. Yeah. I think if you announce like The Matrix 4, people would be like, Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think there'd be any enthusiasm. It's fascinating how much they don't want to revive as this As much property. as there's so much nostalgia for The Matrix. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I saw an interview with, uh, I, I was going down a YouTube rabbit hole last night and Quentin Tarantino did a piece for like Sky Movies maybe uh-huh. a couple of years ago uh-huh. where he was picking like the 20 best movies made in the 20 years since he started making films, whatever self-aggrandizing thing he was doing. Sure, sure. And he said the Matrix would be my number two, but the sequels left such a bad taste in my mouth that it's now nebulously somewhere on the 20 without being number two. Sorry, Quentin. He said, like, only Battle Royale was numerated at number one, and the rest of them were alphabetical. And he's like, Matrix would have been Battle Royale? T- Come on. It's Quentin Tarantino. I mean, that's what, of course That movie is, like, that. the most overrated movie ever yeah, made. It's fine. It's fine. It's pretty good. It's fine. Yeah. God. Um, I'm excited to rewatch the Matrix movie. I bought the uh, the Blu-ray set, the Ultimate Matrix collection. Oh, nice. I own all three on iTunes and watch them all the time. 
Uh, no, the, the Blu-ray's got like a lot of a lot of crazy a lot of crazy stuff on it. That's a of, cool. I'd a lot love of weird, to, I'd love wild check it out. stuff on this. Well, guys, we are planning on probably doing an Animatrix bonus. I think just they'll to be let our you know. Blah, 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 yeah, kind episode. of like the buried yeah. secret was for our yeah. Shyamalan and adjacent series. work. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I, we were just talking. We used to both own the Matrix Revisited, which was like a feature-length documentary about the Matrix. Yeah, because uh, the the get first on a DVD, the yeah. first Matrix DVD was pretty bare bones. Instead, of doing a what we call a double dip and releasing a special edition, where you have to buy the whole thing over again. They were like, "Here's another disc of special features." Yeah, and which, you just bought that as a separate thing. Right now, feels like it's like oh, um, huh. like, but that was you know, like but it's a bit of a cash. Grab, but, but it was you know, the peak of the DVD thing. Like it sold really well. No, it was good. I think the Matrix was the highest selling DVD for a long time. I used to own this big book called The Art of the Matrix, like a oh. big hardcover book that was yeah. so cool. I don't know what happened to it. I don't think yeah. I have it anymore. Well, if you find that book, please send it back to David. Thanks. If, if you borrowed his copy, please send it back. Come on, jerks. As always, rate, subscribe, and review. Yeah. Yeah, we're still waiting on a book report, by the way. Yeah, well, a couple people have sent me pictures. Uh, I, I have uh, evidence, including a friend of the show, former guest, uh, Rachel Lang. I know, checked the book out or got it on her Kindle. Some people sent me pictures of the book on their shelf. They checked it out of the library. I, Rachel, I think, you crazy. Rachel, Rachel crazy. Uh, it's a hearty tome, so uh, perhaps it's taking people time to dig through it, but people are definitely reading it, so uh, we'll hopefully have a, a book report soon for you. Remember to keep it uh, under 100 words, because uh, we here at this show hate being verbose. Um, any other final thoughts? Next week we'll be back with The Matrix Reloaded. Uh, we're going to talk about The Matrix Reloaded. Yeah, uh, we're doing all these Matrix episodes uh, sans guest just because we're scheduling stuff. Well, and also because I love these movies and I don't want some guest pissing on them. David's very protective of the Matrix sequels. Uh, but as always... It's okay, guys. I know they're hard to watch. Well, it's okay. We'll look, talk about we'll it. We'll all rewatch we'll them together. It. It'll be fine. I tr- Trust me. It'll be fine, okay? There's I no trust screen. you. It's fine. I trust you. Uh, as always... Thank you for listening. Yes. A big ups to Producer Ben. Love him. And as always... Thank you. Uh, make sure to uh, order your eggs a la com or else... They're not worth eating. This has been a UCB Comedy production. Check out our other shows on the UCB Comedy Podcast Network.